Good morning. I don't know why I'm in a good mood today. It's not like the Ravens won yesterday, but I don't know. I'm it's playoff time, baby. Yay. I can't even really convince myself of that either. Good morning, Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Carson Triweekly is here with us. Is this last week for you before you This go is back? the second to last week. Man, you guys have a nice little break. Yeah, well, so the thing is, we don't have a fall break, so they give us an okay. extra week at the end of winter break. So wait, do you go to school the day before Thanksgiving? Um, You don't get the week n- off? No, so we I get a week off for Thanksgiving, but a lot of schools get like three or four days off in when the middle of start? October. When did that when, Since when has that been a thing? I don't Towson know. never got it either, yeah, so I, I don't know when. But yeah, most, uh, like, pr- all my friends except for me, they all have like three days or four days off in October. And okay, we well don't, that... So we get an extra week. So I have, I have thoughts. That's dumb. I agree. I, agree. I, I, I think agree it's well. so. I'd rather to be do, home for an extra week. You just here. got to school. Like, what That's are you? What, what are you doing for three Plus to four you, days? Like, if, especially for someone like me, like I couldn't come home for that because it's yeah, not even worth it. Yeah, I'd be, yeah. I'd be flying yeah. and then here for two days and then flying back. So that's I, I weird, like the. That's hey, a weird bit. The extra week at the end of winter break, I'd much rather have. Yeah, I get that. But that's a that's a healthy little break you got going it is. on. It's like, it was like six weeks. I remember when I was at UMBC, we had a very long break. Like I, don't even remember why, but it was fine because i lived in the uh, athlete storm and they were all back on campus and so they were like why don't you just come back down and hang out with us and i was like oh yeah that sounds great sounds good to me you mean i could just have all the fun of being at college without any of the classes and studying hell yeah (laughs) let's do that so that was the way that i played that but yeah that's a healthy break salisbury's got a long one too salisbury's not back till like the 29th of january i feel like like all the maryland schools like have a, I guess they have a I, long I, winter I, break. And I believe, and that was the way it was at UMBC, and I believe it was designed. I don't think Maryland was quite as long as that was. I always felt like it was designed to try to limit the impact of snow. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted to try to, to you know, we don't want to have to have classes canceled due to snow as much. I mean, you can't do anything about February. You have to go back to school at some point. But I always felt like there was a design to that. Like we want to try to be out for as much of January as possible to try to limit Although I guess this year we're just not doing snow, which I'm totally fine with. I want to make that abundantly clear. Very good with the idea of not doing snow this year. Let's keep it that way. All right. Um, today's program is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department, where they are still looking for folks who maybe are looking for a new path in life. Perhaps, um, you know, someone who's struggled out of the shoot, out of unlike uh, uh, Carson, who's making moves out of, right. uh, out of high school. Maybe you know somebody who's not doing that, who's working at the mom-and-pop pizza shop and has no real goals and just sort of plotting along. Well, a cadet in the Baltimore County Police Department starts at over $30,000 a year. And if you are someone who's looking for a career change, an entry-level officer or a lateral officer, both could start at over $60,000 a year with a $10,000 signing bonus. And lots of great benefits that are available for you if you consider a future in the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more by calling 410-887-5542 or by going to joinbaltimorecountypd.com. You must have a United States, or you must be a United States citizen. I was about to say you must have a United States citizen, like what, locked up in your basement? (laughs) Please don't do that. That would be when we would need to call the Baltimore County Police Department on you, obviously. You must be a United States citizen, have a high school diploma or a GED of equi- equivalent, and possess a valid driver's license. On the program today, we will talk Raven. Sal Palantonio from ESPN will join us a little bit later on. He was in Cincinnati for that yesterday. Jeremy Kahn will check in with us, as he does every Monday. And also tonight is the college football playoff national championship game 
Former Ravens quarterback Eric Zier is the radio color analyst for Georgia football, and it's been a long time. I was a big Eric Zier guy, man. The end of '97 when you know things weren't. We, we could tell that there was a breakup coming with Vinny, and you know we were still getting our feet under us as Ravens fans. And Eric Zier played really well down the stretch. I was all in. I asked my parents for an Eric Zier jersey. I thought he was the future of the franchise, baby. I was so excited, and uh, you know, didn't work out that way. Be a cool jersey to have. To look back the, on now, I don't think I would. I don't think I would have held on to it. I would have to think desire? about when I was like when I was young, because I they, the Ravens didn't show up until I was in high school. So, you know, like I don't have anything that was. Pre- I definitely had a Vinny Testaverde jersey for sure with the old logo. Um, I had one of those. I'm trying to think of somebody else that I had that was totally random from the. Uh, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure there was one. My, my friend bought a, a Randall Cunningham Ravens jersey. Just for funsies, yeah, just yeah. because they say, yeah, I mean, there's, there's that. Glenn, how was that? Like, how was, did you, did you jump right into being By a way, fan this of the sounds, team? This sounds so like grandpa tell me a story. Oh, no, you like, say, eh. did you jump? No, no, I'm not, I, I, I understand. I'm just telling the way it sounds. It's yeah, it like, does sound kind of Grandpa. Like. <laughs> what was you didn't like? have a team until you were in high school? What was school? it like when the Ravens came uh, to no, I, Did you jump right in? Like, or no, it, it, was, it, was, it was awkward for a minute. And I tell you, it was really funny for me is I loved the CFL team. I was obsessed with this because it was the first football team they I ever had. They went to the Grey Cup like twice, didn't they? They did. They won one and they lost the other. Um, I was obsessed, obsessed with the CFL team. My friend Ron Snyder wrote a book about the CFL team a couple years ago. And like he ended up quoting me quite a bit in there despite the fact that all I was was a fan. <laughs> Like, I wasn't working. There's, like, Bruce Cunningham who was doing the play-by-play. And then there's and Glenn Clark, who was a kid. <laughs> just really loved the team. And I did. I really loved the team. And I went to, like, all the games um, because it was so cheap to get tickets to the games. Although there were massive crowds for the CFL. The CFL was beloved here because we were a football, we were a football town. And we were desperate for football. And this wet our whistle a little bit. And for people like me that never had the NFL growing up, like, the Colts moved when I was a child, when I was a baby. Um, so I didn't know anything better and it was just amazing. And so it was awkward. And there was a lot of people around here. We've talked about this with when Tony Saragusa passed away that like, no one will really ever understand the awkwardness. Uh, People your age couldn't understand the awkwardness that existed when the Ravens moved here because there was a feeling of, we just did to another city what Indianapolis did to us that made us hate Indianapolis so much. It was uncomfortable. It was... We were happy to have football back, and we were ready to embrace it, but it was just it was awkward, and we really wanted it to be, for certain, for that generation, they wanted it to be the Colts. They didn't want it to be another team. They wanted it to be the Colts. And so it took a lot of people, a lot of effort to kind of smooth all that over. Winning helped. Um, winning changed everything, <laughs> and that's the way it goes. But in these early years, guys like Tony Saragusa literally going into the community himself and showing up and grabbing necks and kissing babies and the whole thing went a long way to uh, smoothing that over. Thanks. I'll tell more. Th- I'll tell more Grandpa stories. Thank, thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Right. Look forward to that in the coming years. What were the '90s like? <laughs> no, a lot of cocaine. Uh, <laughs> not for me. Just pretty sure there was a lot of cocaine. Not nearly as much as there was in the '80s. I think. I think there was more cocaine in the '70s and the '80s than there was. In the- I, I don't. I gotta be honest with you. I can't. You're a pro. I thought you. Right. I know. This is your wheelhouse. Oh, I got lots of things I can tell you about the '90s. Oh boy, a lot of plaid, grunge, Nirvana, the whole thing. All right. Anyway, so let's get into yesterday because I don't think there's actually a ton to say about it. I 
the only, and we talked about this on the 105.7 The Fan yesterday, the only real debate about yesterday is, do you agree with what the Ravens did? And if you don't, I understand. I just don't think there's a strong argument to be opposed. Ironically, as it turns out, the Chargers not only lost, but lost while they were trying, which is the weirdest bit that you could ever possibly imagine. Griffin goofed into getting that right. His premise was completely wrong, and yet he got the pick right anyway. No, my premise was right. No, your premise for what they should have done would well, have been right. Well, my premise was that you know Broncos being eliminated, playing a team that's trying. No, no, no. no, that, no was, that was not your premise. Your premise was, that was the, one the Chargers of would have already locked up. I just said every single angle. And so, so, I got, I, I and so they wouldn't be trying, which they shouldn't have been. So there's irony in the fact that, like as it turns out, if you would have won, you would have gotten the coin flip, right? Like, it would have worked out yeah. that way. But you're doing a lot of calculus before the game. You're doing a lot of, okay, we would need, despite the fact that Tyler Huntley barely practiced this week, we would need to beat a Bengals team that's trying on the road. Plus, we would then need, because if we, if we win, then the Chargers have to try. And so then we would need them to lose the Broncos, and we would need the coin flip to go our way. And if we do all of that, we run the risk of losing a player in the process. Like, Alex Capper going down for the Bengals yesterday is a big deal. It's a big deal. I can't tell you it's going to be the difference in a playoff game next week, but it's a big deal. He's their best offensive lineman. That's a huge storyline going into this week. Now, the Ravens... Again, the irony of this is they choose to sit all their guys, and yet they lose Gus Edwards anyway. Now, hopefully, he gets out of concussion protocol this week, and he's fine. I always get very uncomfortable when somebody says, well, it's just a concussion, or it's just a head. Like, no, no, that's an inappropriate thing to say. But what you're trying to say is it's not an obvious long-term injury. It's something where you could come back and play next week, whereas, you know, if you, bri- you hurt your knee, you're not going to be coming back to playing next week. Just, we just use the wrong terminology when we describe a head injury. Hopefully, Gus Edwards is cleared from concussion protocol fairly quickly, and it's not a big deal. But there's plenty of room to debate the merits of the Ravens on a day where they decided the game didn't matter, choosing to play Gus Edwards because they didn't have to. I tried explaining this afterwards. You can't bench everybody. This isn't the preseason. The preseason, you have 75 or 90-man rosters. You have a million players that you can put on the field instead of your regular players. In the regular season, they don't get to week 18 and suddenly say, yeah, you can expand your roster for the week. You can put all your practice squad guys on the roster. You have a very limited roster. You don't have the depth at certain positions to simply play your backups all game. At running back, however, you do. They have four running backs on the roster. They didn't have to put Gus Edwards in that game yesterday. They deserve criticism for that. It could have just been a steady diet of Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill all day long. Take nothing away because Justice Hill's looked fairly good this season when he's gotten opportunities. Even for a minute this season, Kenyon Drake looked helpful, but that went away pretty quickly. Um, I'm not saying you sacrifice those guys. You're still not hoping they get hurt, but you understand that if one of them gets hurt, it's... And Justice Hill actually is your primary returner at this point, so their kick returner anyway. Yeah, especially with Deshaun Jackson gone. Yes, because that that was a big difference. Um, I mean, you can live. You can live if one of those guys gets hurt. If Gus Edwards got more seriously hurt yesterday, 
you'd be that would be there would be problems with that decision. I get the calculus that they did. I get the decisions that they made and why they ended up choosing to not play Mark Andrews, why they ended up choosing to not play J.K. Dobbins, why they were not in a rush to get Marcus Peters back on the field. Actually, I don't even know if Marcus Peters could have played yesterday, so I take that back. Um, I get it. I thought it was interesting that they did play Calais Campbell, and for the most part, they played the entirety of their defense all game. Again, there's a limit. I keep trying to explain this. There's a limit to how much. And for what it's worth, I think a lot of people say, why would you play Ronnie Stanley? Well, they did try to rotate out Ronnie Stanley a few times yesterday. They didn't have him play every snap of the game. But there's you don't have 12 offensive linemen on your roster. You don't carry enough offensive linemen that you can bench your entire offensive line. They decided it was a priority for them to sit Kevin Zeitler in particular. He's been through a few things injury-wise. He was the guy that they were prioritizing that they couldn't have on the field yesterday. And then from there, Morgan Moses, Ronnie Stanley, both took snaps off. They did what they could in order to limit how much those guys played yesterday. But ultimately, you don't have enough players to simply say, all of the offensive linemen get the day off. You just don't have that type of roster at this point in the season. So the Ravens make the decision that they make. Fine. I'm, I get it. I really do get it. I don't even think it's really worth debating all that much with the irony of the Broncos ending up beating the Chargers. Like I understand there's irony in that. So here's where you are. You also have the ability to sort of predetermine who your opponent is at that point and say, if we don't care about winning – then we know we're playing the Bengals. We'll do our best to show no cards this week and try to play a football game next week. Okay. They acknowledged that after the game. That was part of the calculus, that this was a two-week plan. They were essentially handpicking that we were going to play the Bengals again. Now, the Patriots could have screwed that up for them. Thankfully, apparently their special teams are garbage now. It's really weird. It looked right? for a second like they were really in the game. But for a second, it did. It very much looked like they were in the game, and then that came that came apart. Um, so the Patriots could have screwed that up for you, but you, you did what you wanted to do. Will it work? I don't have the foggiest idea, and it, we all know the central part of it. And I'm I'm writing about. I'm, I sort of wrote an essay today instead of a column necessarily, just about how weird it feels going into the postseason. This is the 14th time in Ravens history, and it's by far the strangest trip to the playoffs ever. You can compare it to the year after the Super Bowl when the Ravens tried the Elvis Gerback experiment, but like they still had the majority of the dominant defense from the year before, and there was still a part of us that just kind of was saying out loud, like, maybe they could just go on another spectacular run. And as it turns out, they went and won their first playoff game. Like they they looked like it was possible that they could do something magical. They didn't, obviously. But because they still had the bulk of that defense, they imagine if they had just had Jamal Lewis in that season. My God. Like they might have been able to do it despite the fact that they screwed everything up so badly at the quarterback position. Because it was a different era of football. You didn't you didn't need it. That's why they were able to win the Super Bowl the year prior with Trent Dilford. Um This is the weirdest it's ever felt. Because the playoff game is a sideshow. The, the, the only thing we care about right now in Baltimore is Lamar Jackson. That's it. Every conversation is Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Is he going to play? 
hypothesizing whatever you want to hypothesize about him holding out at this point, whatever nonsense you want to believe. His future, all of it, that's what we care about. And then we're like, oh, right, and there's going to be a playoff game on Sunday night. Now, if Lamar Jackson practices on Wednesday, then it will change for sure the feel within this city because if Lamar Jackson practices, then we assume that he's going to play, and if Lamar Jackson plays, then the Ravens have a chance. That's it. That's the end of it. If he doesn't, they don't really have a chance. They have a chance. We can point out that yesterday they weren't even trying. They didn't even have the rest of their guys, and they were still competitive against the Bengals. That if they could just get Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins on the field yesterday and Kevin Zeitler, maybe they could be more competitive. And if they don't turn the ball over four times, you can do all that you want. Like, it's not... There's no way you can create a scenario where it's impossible that a Tyler Huntley-led Ravens team could beat the Bengals on Sunday night, but it ain't practical. It's still hard to say it's practical with Lamar Jackson, but it's far more. Lamar Jackson is the center of the universe. It's the singular story of the week. It's all that matters. And then even if he plays, we still have that debate and that topic sort of clouded in the awkwardness of the situation between he and the Ravens. It's the weirdest we've ever felt in this city about the Baltimore Ravens going into the postseason. When, when nobody was allowed to go to the games two years ago, it didn't feel this weird. This is bizarro land. We have no idea. Normally around now, you'd start seeing like t-shirts popping up around town and, and people with car flags and stuff like that. Right now, it's, it, it's more like, I don't really want to look. It's, it's uncomfortable. But they're going to do it anyway. They're going to play in the playoffs, and we're going to play the Lamar Jackson drama out this week, and we're going to have plenty of time for that. And it, to me, it is very simple. Whatever they did yesterday, whatever. You want to yell about the fact they went for it on fourth down? Fine. Yell about that. I don't care. I just don't care. You're not going to get me to get worked up about any of it. Is it embarrassing that they didn't have a play call ready to go when Demarcus Robinson didn't catch the ball and just screaming over at the sideline to review it and it was never going to get overturned and because they didn't have a play ready to go because they were debating whether they should challenge it, they had to throw the challenge flag as there were six seconds left on the play clock? Yep, that's embarrassing. But we've seen that a billion times. It's a bigger problem that didn't start yesterday. We've talked about it ad nauseum. It's nonsense that they get so caught up in these moments, they aren't ready to go. So that when someone says, hey, by the way, we just looked at it, you're not, you're not getting that overturned. Don't throw the challenge flag. Run a play. Let's go. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that these things keep happening. But does it matter? They weren't winning the game yesterday. Like it, it matters when it happens in a game where you could win. Then I'll scream about it. Yesterday, for God's sakes. I mean, for God's sakes. They were never winning that game yesterday. They were never doing that. What about the thing at the end of the first half, though? When we, when we should have yes, run the ball. Yes, I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. I, but again, we can do... I, I, we can do this forever. Sure. But if you do that in a big game... I, I mean, understand really, that, but they did do it against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, and it worked. It's genuinely concerning, though, you that say they that, try it. Like, they did it. Anthony Brown came in on his first play and, <laughs> and threw, threw from the end ball. zone and worked. 
But it wasn't at the end of the first half. I understand that, but why does it matter that it was at the end of the first half? Because you're down 10, and I think you just take that to the locker room. I, the argument that you're making, while relevant, would be more relevant in a game. I don't know what they would have done if the game mattered. That's true. I, I guess don't know that if they were trying to win the game yesterday, what they would have done. That's true. Um, I, and, and that's why I can't. Like, yes, there is a bigger conversation. I don't think Greg Roman is going to be the offensive coordinator of this football team next season. So I, what else do I say now? Like, we just pile on for the sake of piling That's on? That's pretty much it. Like, he's going to be the offensive coordinator for the playoff game. And I understand why they've made the decision to retain him. for the. Re- I, don't, I think they could have fired him. I think they should have fired him. But I get why they didn't. Because given everything that's going on, they don't have a good option to say, you go call the plays when we have to run this other guy's offense. That's doesn't make any sense like i get it but i think he's gonna be gone and i think that was questionable but i also think the game didn't matter so who cares the goofy part being again they could have won like that's the weird part we, we go through all of this and despite all of it they could have won the football game yesterday that's what makes it all so weird and then as it turns out they would have been in a coin flip and who knows but they weren't trying to that was abundantly clear and i understand why they weren't trying to now, with all that said, we're not going to do slaps of the helmet for yesterday because, again, the game didn't matter. They weren't trying to win. But D- we're going to. Darren do- Worley was about to. Ugh. He also made two of the best yeah, plays of the day. He I, also can, was, that PD I don't know. was great. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing here. Sick, sick of Worley. He's wearing Anthony Levine's number. <laughs> another reason. What, couple, couple slaps. It's hot and cold. It's, some it's, some really bad plays. He legitimately but, but made two, two of the plays. best plays of two the day. Group? Nah. <laughs> Such a weird bit. Anyway, we're not going to do that because that's nonsense. The game didn't matter. What are we going to do? Beat up Anthony Brown? It's not even yeah. going to be here today. Demarcus <laughs> Robinson. I mean, we've done that plenty. We can do it more <laughs> if you'd like. Um, instead, what we're going to do is we're going to do our regular season long slaps and pats today. So when we come back in, we'll do slaps first. I want yours. Five Ravens. Rank them from five to one, with one being your anti-man of the year? I don't know how we do that. Anti-MVP? Anti-hero of the year? Anti-hero? What, yeah, you're Taylor Swift. Exactly right. I'm the problem. It's me. That's that's what we want from you. Um, same rules apply. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. The other can be a special teams player or a coach or another offensive or defensive player. Get me your lists at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We're going to do pats for the regular season later in the show, but when we come back in, slaps for the year. That's next. Today's show... Also brought to you by, this one's brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where the seasonal menu is the Comfort Classic menu, and it's still available right now, including the Twisted Ribs and Wings combo, the Mac and Cheese Bites, the Bourbon Butter Cake. Oh, my God, it's so good. GloryDaysGrill.com. Get your order in. Slaps for the year next. Glenn Clark Radio. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today join glenn at halftime of every ravens game for the project game day halftime show at facebook.com slash sports we apologize in advance there's not much we can do about his face you are going to run out of time to take advantage of the great offers that are available right now at pressboxonline.com slash offers. I can't tell you the date. I can't say, hey, you have from now until March 1st. They're not going to tell us that. It's just that at some point they're going to go away. You're going to go to sign up and you're going to say, wow, what, what happened? I was just looking for these amazing deals that I've been hearing about. And you're going to find out they're not there any longer. You know, deals like $100 in free bets from Barstool after you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,500 in risk-free bets from Caesars. Time is limited, but I just can't give you a defined amount of time. It's just going to be that one day you wake up and you go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and nothing there. All you see is the tumbleweeds. You're like, what the hell happened here? Everybody, they moved on. They closed up shop. They went to a new town. That's the way it's going to go. So take advantage of it now. Even if you've signed up somewhere and take advantage of that deal, sign up everywhere. There's free money to be had. Do it. What are we? Like, why is this so hard? Take advantage of those offers. 
again, go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now in order to find out more. All right. Now, with that said, let's get into slaps to the helmet for the year. Again, for the entirety of the regular season, five Ravens, rank them five to one. Number one being your anti-MVP, your anti-hero, your Taylor Swift of the year. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. The fifth can be whatever you'd like, a special teams player, a coach, or another offensive or defensive player. And I have to be honest, I really struggled with this, right? Like, I also uh, had to, uh, Griffin do some research to see, like, who we most frequently criticize this season just to get a sense for, you know, does our, does our list at the end of the year match up with who we were criticizing in each game? And then I realized, like, nobody really stood out for me on my slaps list. Like, it, was a, it seemed to be kind of somebody different every time the Ravens lost a game. So, and in fairness, we don't do slaps. I realize that this math doesn't work because you don't do slaps on the Ravens win, and then when you get to the end of the regular season, you can go back and look and say, hey, this guy might have played poorly, but the Ravens won anyway. So you're taking more of a stock of the entire season. So I'm going to get this out of the way at first. I really struggled with it, but I didn't put Lamar Jackson on my list. I didn't. Like, I had him on my list. Then I said, I think there are five guys that deserve to be on this list more than Lamar Jackson does. I think all we're doing if we put him on there is saying, this is just the way that it works with the quarterback position. Anytime you win, it's the Griffin thing, right? It's the anytime you win, anytime you lose, it's all about the quarterback. And that's not reasonable. Like, that's not good analysis to me. So I did not put Lamar Jackson on my list, and I just want to get that out of the way. So instead, I'm kind of looking at very specific things. Guys, uh, number five for me is James Prochak. And it's funny because I'm the guy who typically says, like, what do you expect out of a sixth-round pick? But I am still disappointed by it. I still don't think he should be this bad. Like, I know that maybe there's some recency bias of just seeing him run out of bounds yesterday on what was by far Anthony Brown's best throw and negating it entirely for no reason whatsoever. I mean, this is Dan Orlovsky. Who was the guy that pulled the Dan Orlovsky earlier this year that we've already forgotten about because we just associate Dan Orlovsky with running on the end line? Somebody did it, yeah. remember? Because Dan Orlovsky was like, freedom or whatever. He, like, he had a good tweet about it, and I've already forgotten who it was. But we'll always eternally associate Dan Orlovsky with that. And yet we listen to Dan Orlovsky analyze quarterbacks, which is kind of funny. Um James Prochet. Uh, Jimmy G did it. Who was it? Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Yeah. James Prochet was someone they, they desperately could have used something from. Something. And, and who they probably expected a jump from this year. And and that's the difficult exactly. part about that's it. Like reasonable. He's a sixth-round pick. So what do you expect? Right? Like The fan base clearly did. The fan base, because Steve Smith said <laughs> James Prochet and in some interview convinced themselves that James Prochet was going to be a great player. I don't know that it was reasonable to expect it as much as the Ravens could have really used it. Like, they really could have used James Prochet because there are sixth-round picks that become football players. And I'm not even talking about guys that become exceptional football players. I'm not even talking about, like, the Marcus Colstons of the world who go from late-round pick to being, like, legitimate high-level wide receivers. I'm just talking about guys that become serviceable and at no point was James Prochet even serviceable for this football team. He wasn't at all helpful. And that's a bummer. It can't be any higher than fifth on my list, but it's good enough for fifth. J- 
James Prochet makes my list at number five. Yeah, I was really close to putting him on mine as well. Um, I ultimately went with another wide receiver. I went with Demarcus Robinson as my five. I he's mean, my number four. Pretty much the same. Pretty much the same exact premise. It's like he's not a good receiver, so it's almost unfair to you know lump him up in this in this category. But I mean, he wasn't good. He 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 never. He was never the reason the Ravens were winning games, and he was a large part of why they they struggled a lot, especially down the stretch. So I I mean, Demarcus Robinson, my five. Uh, you know, this is kind of tough for me to put him here, but I almost had to. No, my number five is Tyler Huntley, and I think it's he's put in a really I, tough situation, so he, I can't he put also, him any higher. He than also that. avoided my list almost yeah. because, like, if I if I can't put Lamar, if I don't put Lamar on, I don't feel like I can put Huntley on. But yes, it's the same thing. I was still disappointed. He's like, he's like high, you know what? Like, he appeared in six games and he throws two touchdowns and three picks, and he fumbles three. No, times. he was he was not good. And, you know, it's. It's really, I feel bad putting him on the list because he's the backup quarterback. It's the whole what do you expect thing. But he was really bad, so that he's my number five. So for what it's worth, my number four ended up being Demarcus Robinson. What I kind of went to was that the position that disappointed the most was wide receiver. And it's easy to say, well, that's not on them. It's on Eric DaCosta and this team for not building a What did DaCosta's my one? Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's aggressive for it to be one. But I... Like they, I don't know if you know, they won ten games this year, Griffin. Like they did build a roster. They, they, they were ex- extremely insufficient. In, I understand in that, but you're you're, you're obsessing over one. You're obsessing over one thing and ignoring everything else in the process. Like you're ignoring the fact they did build a playoff caliber roster. You're just obsessing over the one thing. I get it. I understand that. Um, but that's why my two offensive players that made the list were both wide receivers. Like I. I, I really did think about Devin Duvernay. He did just enough for me to avoid the list, but honest to God, I was really disappointed in Devin Duvernay after Rashad Bateman went out as well. Like, Not that I expected him to become a number one caliber wide receiver, but I expected him to be productive, and he wasn't, and that was disappointing. But Demarcus Robinson was the veteran. He was the guy that, I don't know, I didn't expect a lot from, but especially after he was fairly helpful for a couple of games, I I was disappointed with how things went from there. Again, there might be a recency bias involved with this as well, but Demarcus Robinson, and really my five and four are reflecting that the Ravens' biggest problem offensively was the wide receiver position. Uh, my four, I went with Patrick Queen. Um, I, so dumb. He wasn't, he wasn't like, so he didn't dumb. do anything that was overtly. It's a Pro Bowl like, caliber like, player. Not, it's not really. the dumb. Not no, until Roquan is. showed up. No, he was Actually, before. barely, barely. You're so dumb. This is so. He, he can't. Th- there was. I, there's too many times when I'm watching him and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Whether so, like, whenever he's put in coverage, it's it's it's, it's hard so to watch. A, he was a first round pick, and I don't think he's lived up to that. So strikingly dumb. Patrick Queen is my fourth. He would right? be on the short list for season for MVP consideration. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to help you with this. It's you're gonna have to see a therapist. I you're gonna have so. to do something about it with Patrick Queen. It's just very bad analysis. Next, uh, my number four is Demarcus Robinson as well. Uh, you know, low. I had said low expectations, but he still did not meet my expectations. Not as low as they were. Totally fair. Um, number three is Marcus Peters, who probably gets saved by the fact that he ended up being hurt at the end of the year, or else he probably could have been higher on this list. Um, Marcus Peters stunk. This is a bad year for Marcus Peters. Now you can say they're still better if he's on the field. Probably. Like, probably. I get the argument that they're so thin that they're still better if they have Marcus Peters, but this was a bad year for Marcus Peters from start to finish. There was very little good. There was whatever the Sunday night game was where he made a couple of tackles in the backfield that 
like that's it. That's about all he has to show for it. This was a bad, bad year for Marcus Peters from the get, and he gets again bailed out by the fact that he was hurt down the stretch. So we kind of forget about how bad it was, and we saw some of the other guys that had to go out and play instead. But Marcus Peters is number three and probably could have been higher on the list. My number three, this is where I put Tyler Huntley. Um, I mean, like uh, what he did last year, I guess, is pretty incredible. Just, just what he did it to convince the fan base that we're fine without Lamar Jackson, that we would be okay. Because I mean, it was he a was a very small part of the fan base that felt that way. I, there was enough. I don't know. I thought there was enough. Um, but it, it, he, yeah, he was really, really bad. Like everything Carson said, the the what six turnovers in six games, and just and they all came in horrible spots. Like Tyler Huntley was not good. I don't think he's an NFL caliber quarterback after watching him last year and now this year. And well, he's Tyler certainly Huntley. not a starter. I mean, I think the, I think the the barometer for what a backup is in the NFL, you have to be fair about. Like there's. I don't think he's back. I think I think I think you're getting screwed up by the idea that Brock Purdy is a backup quarterback and is playing like these backup quarterbacks aren't good. Now you can we can have the debate about whether the Ravens try to need to do better with their backup quarterback, and I'm fine to have it. I hear you, but I mean backup quarterbacks aren't guys that can play for six games. They're guys that you can survive with for a game, maybe two at most, and then once you get past that point, you're going to realize why it is their backup quarterback. The, The last six weeks of Ravens football were. Borderline unwatchable mm-hmm. and starts up with the quarterback, Tyler Hunt. No, he also didn't have any wide receivers either. That's true. What it's That's true. Number, uh, number my three. number three, I was expecting a big jump from Adafi Owe, and we really didn't get one. And so he's my number three on my list. Significantly higher on my list. Uh, yeah, just didn't make any strides. He had three sacks all year, and you know he's still young, so I wanted to put him higher, but I, you know, number three seems pretty fair to me. But I could see why he could be higher on someone's list for sure, because he really he didn't do anything. Correct. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> number, that's the point. Yeah. Number, point out the obvious. Number there. number two is Greg Roman. Number one is Adafi Owe. Like I, I'll just go ahead and get to it. Um, number two, I it, we've been through it with Greg Roman. I don't know what else there is to say. But to me, there's no one that the Ravens needed more from that was more disappointing this season than Adafi Owe was. Like there was no one that they absolutely needed to see take a jump that didn't do that. And at the beginning of the year, I was willing to give it a pass because they were so thin at the position that he was being asked to do a bunch of different things, but then they got all their guys back, and he was the guy that needed to be the playmaker, and he did come away with a half a sack yesterday. Yeah, he cost uh, Justin Houston, what, $1.5 yeah, million? One and a half million dollars, exactly right. Oh, um, uh, yeah, he's... There, are you done? Sorry. It's, it's fine. Okay. I, I, look, I, I don't have anything more to say about Greg Roman. He's number two. Adafi Owe, to me, is number one. And number one kind of with a bullet this year. There wasn't really a lot of debate for me about who was number one on this list. I had uh, my I, I had him switched. I had it's Owe fine. at two, and then I had Roman at one. You know, It's fine. Exact I mean, same I, reasons. I'm fine. It's fine. Yeah. Go into Roman more if we want. Yeah, I had Marcus Peters at two and Greg Roman at one. So, pretty consistent with us across the board uh some others that have come in from uh from raven's dumbass i love this guy i don't know why uh five andrews interesting i i I couldn't consider him over others but i i get the argument that like still our leading receiver but like once lamar lamar jackson got hurt he for the most part kind of disappeared now how much of that is on him how much of it is on tyler huntley it's Hard to figure out, but I understand the sentiment that like you expect a extraordinarily high level and you weren't getting it, especially after last year when people at the end of the season were saying, "Wow, is is Kelsey number one?" Or is it early in this year we were talking about that? Uh, He has Peters four, OA three, Prochet two, Roman one. Um, From Lawrence five, Lamar four, Prochet three, Peters two, OA one, Roman. 
Uh, John Proctor bailed on his list halfway through. He started sending me like one by one his list, and then he was like, "Now wait a second. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He sent me a list, and he was like, "Now nah, for some reason it's Chuck Clark at number three. Like Chuck was good. I think Chuck Clark played fairly yeah. well this year. He had a year. great hit yesterday. Um, but then he was like, "Ah, I got him too high. Make him number five instead. <laughs> like it was so weird. Four oh eight three Roman two Tyler Huntley. And he hasn't even sent me his number one. I don't even know who his number one is. Should we guess. Uh, I guess Roman probably. probably. Oh no, we had Roman at three. Yeah. So it'll probably be Patrick. Yeah, you Queen. think it's gonna be Patrick Queen's yeah. gonna be number one? I don't. Maybe it'll be Jalen Armour Davis. Jalen Armour Davis was bad. I, th- I think he. I mean, it, you, hang on a second. Does he haven't. He, he didn't put. Who the hell? It would have to be another offensive player. So it couldn't be Patrick Queen. It's a weird list, Proctor. I don't know where you're going with this. Maybe it would be Lamar. I guess it would have to be yeah. Lamar. Like I don't know who else it could be at that point. Sean, uh, five Peters, four OA, three Huntley, two Lamar, one John Harbaugh is at the top of his list. And what he has? What does he have in parentheses? Five, not. I'm not even. I'm just not even bothering. He sent me a list. That's all that I care about. Continue. Get me yours. Zach Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll continue to share them throughout the day, and we'll get them up a little bit later on. Plus, um, we're gonna do Pats uh, for the year. We we always like to save the pleasantry for a little bit later on. We will do Pats on the ass for the year before it gets over. So get me those lists as well throughout the course of today's show. Speaking of today's show, it's also brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Save $100 when you use the code tailgate at ginsugrills.com. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is the perfect ceramic home grill or tailgate for searing, baking, smoking, and grilling all kinds of food. Again, ginsugrills.com. Use the code tailgate and save $100. We had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule on championship day, but an opportunity to catch up with the former Raven and preview the title game. Here's Eric Zier on GCR. Well, it is a pleasure now for us here on GCR to catch up with a former Baltimore Raven and now, of course, the uh, color analyst for Georgia football. They get ready tonight to take on TCU in the college football playoff championship game. Great to welcome back to the program Eric Zier, who is with us here on GCR. Eric, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Take me back, nineteen ninety six, seven, eight. Give me like one memory that particularly stands out to you about your time here in Baltimore. Uh, the, the greatest memory I, I had, I believe, it was after the the nineteen ninety eight season. Um, uh, last game of Memorial Stadium, and I'm uh, standing on the field. We had just won the game uh, and, and had a chance to stand in the middle of that field in that stadium Stadium with, with Johnny United. Yeah. Got a picture of it. It is, uh, it is hanging very proudly in, in, my, in my basement with, without question for a, a young quarterback to be able to, to uh, be in that situation and take a picture with, with that man. Um, was was unbelievably special. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. I remember that day well. It was ninety seven, the end of the ninety seven season. End of the ninety seven. Yeah, man, that was uh, that was something special. Did you just? I want to talk Georgia with you. That's the reason why I brought you on. But if I could, did you have any idea after you left what was coming for the rate? Like when when you guys arrived, it was chaos. You know, like there was. There was no colors for a little while. There was no building. Everything was, I mean, it was just a mess. Did you have any clue that that organization was about to become one of the model franchises in all of professional sports? I'll I tell you what, you, you, you really had that, that feeling, or, or at least I, I did. You know, when, when you look at the, the character of, of leaders and, 
j- just the, the structure and, and which was being built out and, and some of the players that we had coming in at the time. Um, it, it was it was pretty remarkable, and I and I will tell you that uh, that that attention to detail, even for former players, um, you know, and I had a chance to play on 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 three different three different teams really in my my time in the league. The, the job that the Baltimore Ravens that the organization does and the way they they bring in past players and and it, it just creates such a family. You could feel that. Um, in in that moment so you you knew that it was listen baltimore is a special place the uh it's a tremendous fan base there is tremendous history the organization is as as class act as it gets um it it was just special And and you could feel that as a as a player it was it was tough obviously getting traded away for me at the at the time and um because it was it was just a it it was an unbelievable time of my life I know and uh, I am to this day proud uh, proud to have been a small part uh, of what is a great organization. It's really cool to hear you say that. Eric Zier is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio as we get ready for the title game tonight. Uh, Eric this has got to be a lot of fun for you now for the last couple of years uh, being back at Georgia and um, obviously these last two seasons have just been so unbelievably special. If, if I were to ask you what is the single biggest thing that allowed Georgia to break through in a sport where, you know, it, it was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and just about nobody else, right? Like, what was it that changed the course for Kirby Smart in this program to now be on the cusp of a second straight national title? But I, I think to answer that, there, there's probably several, well, there are several, uh, several reasons for that. I, I think one is just Kirby and the mentality and the culture that he is is brought into the program. Um, uh, the you, you know his mindset, that, that that mentality of I'm going to go attack the day, I'm going to go play to my my standard of excellence, and I'm not going to worry about anything else. Right? It, it is uh, I'm going to do the right activities every single day without fail, without focus on who we're playing or what we're doing or or what time of year it is. Excellence is built. Success is built. They're doing the, the the right activity every single day, and Kirby has brought that mentality in, and it has run through the entire athletic department, right? In every sport that you play, if you hear RAD talk, it, that's it's the same message that resonates throughout throughout the entire athletic programs. You know, so I think I think it starts there. I think it's the job that he's done recruiting, um, and if I want to point to something on the field, I, I think you go trace it back. Uh, to the Notre Dame game that we played in 2017, and it really catapult, catapulted hmm. the the program to where the the program uh, and the players, most importantly, right within the the, the program, believed they could win on a national stage. Uh, and then that year, 2017, although uh, the the dogs didn't win at all, we lost Alabama in overtime. Um, it, it was it was that year that just gave belief. It took us a, a couple years to get back on that mountaintop. Um, but but that year, and you trace it back to that one victory in that kind of a setting, um, all of a sudden got this Georgia program uh, over the hump. And if you want to look more recently, it was beating Alabama last year that has been uh, really the nemesis for the dogs for a long time. We've been so close, so close, and uh, that the tide has always stood there to uh, to kind of push away those dreams. So uh, it's been a building process for sure, but it started the day that Kirby got here with uh, just the manner in which he approaches every single day, 
that that is as as that culture is as run throughout the organization or throughout the throughout the athletic department uh the job that he does on the recruiting trail that attention to detail uh and then just some of those small victories going back all the way to 2017 is really that every team now seems to be building upon what's been built before him, and it's special to see. What do we need to know, you know, from an outside perspective, Stetson Bennett, we talk about, you know, he's a winner, obviously. Uh, we talk a lot about his age nationally. I don't know that we talk about him enough as a player and, and what he brings to the table. What should we know about Stetson Bennett and why he hasn't blinked when he has been on the big stage so many times now in his career? Yeah, he, Stetson is a phenomenal leader of men. Um, you know, everybody has heard about his story. He came on as a walk-on, went to a junior college, came back. That that grit that that he has to get back up when others have doubted him. Um, the everybody on that team rallies around that i that idea, and all of a sudden you find yourself uh, in the fourth quarter against Alabama last year, or last week against Ohio State. Uh, Stetson has a lifetime of being in positions where everybody around him thought he wasn't good enough to be there or shouldn't be there. And he's had a lifetime of, of overcoming that. So when, you know, when you go step out in the huddle, the, the greatest thing a quarterback can do is elevate the play of others on his team, right? Allow others to have that confidence and grow in that confidence. Uh, so collectively you can go do things that are special. And when Stetson steps in that huddle, um, every man knows what he's gone through to get, where he where he is today, right? He has earned every accolade that that that's come his way. That that leadership is is immense. It is felt. Uh, he's respected by every every single person on that team and in the program. I I think that's one. And then I think athletically, he is a tremendous quarterback. He can make every throw you have to make at any level. Um, he, he can make every throw you need to make, uh, and he's athletic enough that that he can hurt you in multiple ways beyond just his arm or with his mind and getting us into the right plays. Uh, he's athletic enough to go to go hurt teams with his legs. And you've seen, I'm sure everybody has seen highlight clips of that uh, throughout what he's done this year and into, into last year. But uh, his athleticism is underestimated all of the time. And, and he really is. He's one of the most gifted runners uh, that, that you're going to find at the quarterback position. He can make every throw. And then you stack the leadership and his story on top of it. Uh, it's the reason he, he's won a national championship and and playing for another one with uh, with a great group of guys that he's got there in that locker room with him. Again, the title game is tonight. Georgia and TCU. We're chatting with former Ravens quarterback Eric Zire, now Georgia's color analyst. Um, Eric, you know that being said, I you know so much of what Georgia's accomplished has been about defense, and I, I wonder what the reaction was to the Ohio State game. And, and I, you know, we've heard nationally people talk about maybe Georgia's defense is a bit more vulnerable than we realized it to be. And we know that TCU presents not just, you know, Dugan and his escapability, but you add in Quentin Johnson, who's just so dynamic. I, is there any concern about how they played against Ohio State and maybe them not quite being the dominant group that they were, you know, say earlier in the year last year? Yeah, you know, I, I think if you – those close to the program, so we, we are – even with some of the chinks that the nation has seen uh, in, in this defense over the past couple of weeks, this is a, a very, very good defense. I mean, it, a, it is a talented defense. They can go out and make plays. Um, they, they can play at a high level. Um, I, but I think if you, you ask anybody 
throughout the season close to the program. Um, th- th- this is a defense that that isn't as dominant as what we were last year. Sure, for good reason, right? You had you yeah. sent so many guys right. the, like twenty first round picks, it, right? <laughs> that, that, that's right. But it looked it looked for a long time that boy, it's the same defense. So, and I, so I think some of that that carryover effect was 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 there. Um, I, I don't think that that many within the program said it, it was Ohio State played a tremendous football game. C.J. Stroud, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Abuk, I mean, th- those are tremendous players. You knew that they were going to make plays, and that's not uh, taking any w- anything away from Georgia's defense. That's just how good Ohio State is and how good they played. And, um, you know, you go back to the LSU game and the SEC championship, are great receivers there as, as well. So you, you knew it was a, te- a defense that, that was susceptible in a couple of areas. Um the, and you've kind of felt that throughout the, throughout the season, uh, especially when you start to add in some of the injuries to key positions that, that the dogs have had defensively, where it's, it's just not quite the same unit, even that we were starting off because we're battling through injuries and we've got guys in critical positions that aren't out there and, and things that every team deals with, right? Um, but you also knew that, that this Georgia offense hasn't been given – quite the credit or the accolades that they were given going into this that to the Ohio State game uh it, it was one in every conversation that I would have that uh, listen this is going to be a track meet up and down the field and while I think that Ohio State's going to be able to go score and put points on the board the I am equally as confident in the offense that Georgia has that we can go out and score every time we touch the football because we present so many matchup problems so uh, while I think the, the recent events uh, have kind of caught some people by surprise, I don't think that it's been necessarily surprising to those close to the program that have watched this team week in and week out just because you've seen you know where we have some susceptibility and where opposing offenses can get after us. And as you look forward to tonight's football game, um, it is, listen, the, the, it is going to be another, it's going to be a great football game. You've got a great quarterback and Max Duggan with, with great talent around him. That boy, you talk about another team that has got grit. This is one that's got that's got grit. They're going to find ways to get the football into open spaces, and it's it's going to be one where Georgia has to find a way to to to, to hold TCU, you know, without points on the board for a handful of possessions. And this offense is going to have to go score again um, because TCU is good enough to win every game they play in. And I expect. Uh, to see another great, great football game. So do you think this comes down to, I was, what I was going to ask is, what does this come down to you for you tonight? It sounds like what you're saying is you expect they're going to have to go out and, and score a ton of points, that that's what this is going to be about, I, is is going and scoring. Yeah, I, I, I do think, listen, I, I don't think this is going to be a, a game where you've got, you know, where it's 13 to to, to 7. Um, I, I think for, for Georgia to, to really be successful tonight, if you go back and look, on, and I'm talking about on the defensive side of the side of the ball, I, I think that we have got to find a way to apply pressure. And that there, there are two periods, two, one game and then one period of time against Ohio State, where I think for this Georgia defense, we kind of found our blueprint, but it carries some risk with it, right? It is I, when, when the dogs are able to go line up, play man, play man free, and bring pressure the way we did against the Tennessee Volunteers, you know, which which may have been our finest performance outside of the Oregon game this year, or in the fourth quarter against Ohio State when we were really forced uh, to to bring pressure from multiple spots. I think that's when this Georgia team 
uh, is that it's it's very best. Uh, but when you do that, you're going to allow some some opportunities for some big points. So I I don't expect tonight to answer your your question. I don't expect for it to be the kind of shootout that we saw uh, either for TCU in Michigan or for Georgia and Ohio State. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that wide open. But yeah, it's uh, I I think the winner of this football game is going to need to put points in the in the in the thirties, uh, and whoever gets into that into that range is probably the team that that wins the football game. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter defensively than what we saw in either semifinal game. So I I, I don't expect you to have to score forty, but if you get into that thirty point range, uh, I, I expect that is the football team that wins. Eric, before I let you go, I'm I'm going to guess that you're probably not so stunned by just how good Roquan Smith has been since he showed up in Baltimore, and we knew. Like, we were excited. I'm telling you, I was jacked when I heard about it. But he's been – my, my expectations were high. He's been somehow even better than that. He's invoking comparisons to a former teammate of yours. I know that's blasphemous at this point, but holy crap, this guy is good. Yeah, let me tell you, he, and, and he's such a good good man. He's a great person. Um, he's a great football player. He is just he, – he's the kind of teammate that, that you, you want on the team. And I – I would say he's going to be good for a long time, but he is a yeah, no surprise at all that that he's playing the the way that he is playing. Uh, he is a special talent, um, and you know on on top of that can can do and will do great things within the community. He's, he's a leader in the yeah. locker room. Uh, he's the kind of teammate that you want for sure. He has played all the right notes since he arrived in Baltimore, man. He, he's he's not even been here all year, and we're ready to make him a team MVP. Like he has just been it. nuts, man. Uh, Eric Zire, this is the part where I sheepishly admit that once upon a time I was a freshman in high school in 1997, and I asked my parents to find me an Eric Zire jersey because I was so excited by how you play down the stretch, and you you were the future in Baltimore, and I was so excited about it. I know it didn't work out quite that way. But I was a big Eric Zire fan, my friend. So it's a well, it's well listen. Cool. I, I I appreciate that support, and uh, you know, know this. It is uh, it's a it's a remarkable place to live and to be. Uh, it's a tremendous city. Uh, my my time that was there will be ever uh, looked back upon very very uh, very fondly. And uh, th- there is a fan of the Baltimore Ravens for sure down awesome. here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, that, that cheers for him every single weekend. Eric, really a thrill to catch up with you, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Congratulations on all the success that the, the Bulldogs have had in recent years. Thank you for doing this for us. You got it. My pleasure. Great to be on. Keep up the great work. That was awesome. Uh, really cool to catch up with Eric Zire ahead of the title game tonight, which is still relevant for picks. We'll get into that a little bit later on. When we come back in, we're going to chat with Jeremy Kahn. Today's show is also just a reminder, Stan the Fan is back and doing shows again for you in 2023. Tomorrow night, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley will catch up with former MLB pitcher Jim Gott, who famously was the starting pitcher in Game 1 of Cal Ripken's streak and also happened to be his first career MLB win. Um, really like Jim Gott. He's a great dude. So looking forward to that show tomorrow night. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Jeremy Kahn next, Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code TAILGATE. That's ginsugrills.com. Reserve yours today. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. Another Orioles season is in the books and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live Live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kids club for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kids club. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a a three-and-a-half-star review, too. Back in here on GCR, the best place to watch and bet on every game is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Of course, playoffs all weekend long. Just camp out. I mean, you can get a room at live casino and hotel just live there this weekend for playoff football the atmosphere is electric fandle sportsbook at live casino and hotel maryland joining us now as he does every monday although it uh, randomly i feel like it's the first time we've talked to him since uh, i was puking and and told him i loved him he is jeremy Kahn, our buddy from the big bad morning show 1057 the fan i say that like that narrows it down to one particular time when i was puking and told you that i loved you you were you trolling up last time? Yeah, you got I, sick. I was very much sick. I, in fact, oh. I, in fact, went to the finest uh, dining establishment known to man that evening. Of course, we went to the uh, the Cheesecake Factory, which is as elegant as it gets when it comes to fine dining. And uh, yeah. sat down at the table with the family and said, "I'm going to need to be excused for a second And proceeded to go back to the bathroom and continue oh. to throw up. It was. By the way, a day. like the, the speaking of the Cheesecake Factory, just. You know, when you get cheesecake from there, whatever you end up paying, if it's $12 a slice, 
after every piece of cheesecake I've eaten from there, I've never had an issue of what I paid for because I've always oh, enjoyed it. Look, man, we make yeah. jokes about the Cheesecake Factory. The food is is fine. Like, I mean, and the cheesecake actually yeah. is delicious, right? The food in general is is fine. It's just it's almost comical when you walk in. Like, I, yeah. there's not a whole lot of steps between this and Ruby Tuesdays, and yet we're acting like there are. <laughs> like, you know, I think you just nailed that. But I also want to bring up another point. Did you ever think that maybe you got sick because you were with your family and not hanging Might out with me? Might have something to do with it. I, the, you know what the yeah. really funny part was, Jeremy, is that they, they stopped by and picked me up because I was still not in driving shape. So they stopped by and <laughs> picked me up, and my kids were trying some of the jelly beans, and then they understood why I was uh, puking. It was all those jelly beans that I had consumed. That oh, was, and then you had to throw up barf and dude, it was gunk so, and all that. It was up. so bad. It was so bad. But appreciate you. I just you said you had time. to throw up barf, which yeah, is actually what normally, you were throwing up. Normally, that's what people throw up. That is a very good point. That's normal. <laughs> bar flavored jelly beans. That's what I was getting at. Appreciated you doing it again, as always, my friend. It was a. Uh, it was a great day. It was a. Uh, other than other than all the puking, it was a great yes. day. And the part where apparently I pissed off our neighbors at the, the United States Army, which, as I hear. Not the people you want to piss off. Apparently, like they can go to war with you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think they. Me yelling "Go Navy" yeah. um, as loud as I possibly yeah. could in numerous occasions probably didn't go over well. Thanks a lot, jerk. Thanks a yeah. lot for that. <laughs> um, all right, I, I you know I wrote about it today at Pressbox. We were talking about it at the beginning of the show. It's playoff week, and yet this is the Ravens have done this fourteen times, and I I kind of went through every single year they made the playoffs. I, there's never been this weird of a feeling going into a Ravens playoff appearance in the history of this franchise. Nope. Uh, you go back to even the home game, and when they played the Chargers, there was some guarded optimism about the offense and what they could do in the postseason. Plus, it was a team that you beat earlier that year. Um, I would say the, the only other year that kind of felt this way was the year that they won the Super Bowl uh, with how they finished the season. That's you know, fair. like that – yeah, the Flacco-ing, the game against oh, Denver where he throws the pick six and he's laying down. Um, it just looked really ugly, and then they caught fire, you know? So I guess that's your only hope. And as I was pointing out today, if you look at the playoff bracket, more than likely you got to run murderer's row to get to the Super Bowl with uh, starting off with Cincinnati, most likely playing Buffalo next week. And then if you were able to do anything against them, probably going to Kansas City and playing the Chiefs. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't look good in the postseason right now, but we'll let them play the game. And it's a, it's a weird week for analysis, right? Because the only analysis that's relevant is, does Lamar Jackson play? Like, I, you, you can squint and say, hey, they were fam- fairly competitive yesterday. Who knows? Maybe if they were trying. and like I, I, You can't reasonably consider a scenario where they're going into Cincinnati and beating the Bengals with Tyler Huntley playing quarterback. I don't even know that you, you can do it with Lamar Jackson, but at least you have a chance. It's just like... Everything is so centered around this one topic of does Lamar play or not, and if he doesn't, I, I don't. I mean, I don't even know that you can do like a game watch party around here if you're a local bar. I just everybody's going to watch because the team's playing, but there is going to be so little interest or hope or faith from this fan base and this team's ability to do something if he doesn't. The the only thing I would say is the fact that they're on Sunday Night Football. And the fact that ESPN, not only ESPN, but Adam Schefter had it, saying that he would right. play once the playoffs start, uh, to me is a foregone conclusion that Lamar's playing. Now, could there be a setback? Could there be something else? Uh, because Adam Schefter has, look, he, he's oh, got he's ties everywhere. In, right. right. Yeah, he's, he's definitely plugged into this team. Um, I don't remember him ever reporting something that didn't come true with the Ravens. So I feel like he's got a very credible source with inside the organization, but... 
Uh, my assumption would be that Lamar is playing. But the other thing I'd go to, it's a long layoff. I think it can be a huge shot in the arm um, to sit here and say you're getting that guy back like to start the game, but make no mistake about it. The first ineptitude on, or ineptness on offense or the first time you get a three and out, a turnover, something, I feel like that error could come right out of the team. So, um, But I do like the fact that they're playing Cincinnati, uh, which I know a lot of people don't. I, I think there's some familiarity there and, and some genuine dislike not only between the coaches, but the players. I think there's another thing going on. There's such a weird thing going on in Cincinnati right now where you almost wonder how much emotion they had pent up for yesterday and whether or not they can turn around. Like, the Ravens weren't – they didn't care for the most part yesterday, whereas the Bengals – it was bizarre how this played out. Like, I – I, it, they're trending into the, of course, the famous line from the Big Lebowski, right? Like, you're not wrong, you're just an asshole. Like, there's a point yeah. that they have to make about, hey, why why wouldn't we have been considered for a neutral site game in the divisional round when we could have beaten the Bills on Monday night? Like, why was that left out of the equation when you were doing all of this math? Like, they, there, it's not like there isn't a point there. It's just that for the rest of us in humanity, the argument is, what, why are you pretending like you're the ones that got screwed here? Like, there was a human being that yeah. nearly died on the football field, and all of this that we saw yesterday with the bizarre, you know, celebrations and all that, I just wonder if they got, they whipped themselves up into such a frenzy yesterday that there might be room for a little bit of a letdown to have to turn around and play the same team a week later. Well, Glenn, like all the stuff that came out after the game that I didn't, and, and you can call me biased, I didn't really notice the cheap shots that all of the players were talking about I mean, afterwards. The Cincinnati it players, it like, really felt like they were mad that the Ravens were trying. Like, I, honest to God, and I felt that there was a play in the middle of the game where Roquan Smith finished a tackle to the ground, and, and Jamar Chase got up and was furious. And all I could think was, like, do you really just think the Ravens, because they, they came into the game not trying, should stop trying now? Like, I... I you want to say the Roquan yeah. Smith thing where he ran? At, who who was it in the end zone that he bumped into as he was going over to high five someone? That it looks it was like Chase that he bumped into, right? Didn't he bump yeah, into he him bumped because into there Chase. was a great deflection on the play? And yeah, Worley, yeah. exactly. It was the play where Worley made the deflection. Thank you. It does definitely look back like he could have avoided running into Jamar Chase, but it's not egregious. It's not like he went over there and shoved it. This isn't Quay Walker last night. Like yeah. he just bumped into the guy I'm with you I didn't see anything like that that suggested they were dirty it felt way more like for the Bengals it was supposed to be a coronation and the Ravens were supposed to just sort of you know roll over after they decided not to play their players and they were frustrated that the Ravens defensive players were still out there trying when they were trying to ice away a home playoff game in the second half and and that's kind of the play I'm talking about that's made its way around and I'm like I don't know what goes on underneath the pile. I know that it's not a friendly place to be at times, you know, that I, and I'm not even sitting here saying that there weren't cheap shots or other things that happened in the game that I didn't see. But if you're hanging your hat on Jamar Chase getting run into by Roquan Smith when he goes to help right. up one of his players or celebrate with him, I, I don't I don't think this is the hill to die on. I really don't. Like that that seemed like such a weird I don't want to say flex, but like it, it's such a weird thing to sit here and say, Yeah, you guys are cheap shot and we're gonna get even like that's me another play like show me something else because this isn't the one that i'm going to sit here and say oh I, I see what you guys are talking about it's not there yeah i didn't i didn't see, and this just goes back to the i don't know man they maybe they can keep up this chip on their shoulder thing for the entirety of the postseason maybe they can 
continue to try to get people to believe that they're the real victims of what happened on Monday night. But I, it it really felt like it was all for one game. And then when you've got to turn around and just play the same team, like it just sort of feels like there is a chance that emotionally you you kind of you're kind of spent. Like you did all of that. Now what do you do? Now how is it that you're trying to get an edge back going into the game on Sunday night? It's... Yeah. It, it, so I I think Sunday is going to be interesting. All right. Like each other. There's, this goes way back to the kick in the field goal when you're down big. To Wink Martindale's comments about the gold jacket for Joe Burrow, which I didn't even think there was anything bad about that necessarily. Saying, "Look, man, you guys like let him play. Let's see what he looks like. Don't put the gold jacket on him just yet." Right. I'd understand why Burrow could take exception to it. Like, okay, I'll show you guys. Like, I get that, but um, I didn't think that's something to get everybody everybody riled up. But clearly, these two teams don't like each other. And if Lamar ends up being in Baltimore for the long term, which is another question that a lot of people have, no doubt. Uh, I, I think this rivalry could be pretty great. Jeremy Kahn with us on GCR. To your point, right? Like that, it, even at the end of all of this, separate everything. The biggest problem on Sunday is the Bengals are really good. Like they, they yeah. did remind you yesterday that they are not always clicking. They're not always firing on all cylinders. Like they do have a thing where they can look brilliant for a half and then look kind of sluggish in another half. But they can look really brilliant when they look brilliant. Like even if the Ravens get Lamar Jackson back, and even if the Bengals used all of their you know emotional mojo, there's still the part where that's Joe Burrow and that's Jamar Chase and that's T Higgins and that's Tyler Boyd and that's Joe Mixon and that ain't easy for anybody. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think the Ravens are going to win this game. I do think they're going to be in it. I, I think they cover, which um, I know most people don't care about that type of stuff, but. But I do like I, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. And if the if Cincinnati is going to win it, I think they're going to have to come prepared in the fourth quarter to make some plays um, because I think the Ravens defense is going to show out on Sunday as best they can. Obviously, like you talked about it, when when Cincinnati's clicking, when you're not yep. getting to Joe Burrow, I mean, sometimes even when you're hitting him, it doesn't really matter. Like he gets in this rhythm and he and especially he and Jamar Chase and Chase is a, is a one of one. There might be a couple guys you look at in the league, how good he is, but he changes their whole offense. There's no doubt. Oh, there is no doubt about that. He is, it is – I'm so jealous. Like, I'm so effing jealous, man. Yeah. I, I, have, I have serious wide receiver envy whenever I watch football. I'm just like, God, why couldn't we have one of those guys? One of them! Yeah. One! Man, I screamed the past couple of years. I screamed about Olave this year. The Ravens no didn't have it. I mean, just think about it. The Ravens were – there were some thought that they would take a wide receiver at 14 and then the run went on them. And every one of those SOBs and the, and the jury saw it on Jamison Williams, but I think he's going to be just fine yeah. with the Lions. Yeah. Um, everyone, Drake London had a, uh, you know, had a phenomenal season. And I think, uh, did he get to a thousand yards or right around there? Maybe over it. Uh, Garrett Wilson, 1100 yep. yards. Alave almost broke the single season record for the, uh, the saints, uh, for rookies. I mean, it, you go on and on. There were so many good receivers and, and the Ravens didn't get one. Hey, but you know they've got Sammy Watkins, man. So I don't know what we're doing complaining about it. He, I don't know if you remember, was a first round pick. So maybe we should show a little respect. Uh, as he's the, not that old either. I mean, when you think about it in wide receiver terms, but I mean, yeah. he's been in the league for a while. But he's uh. he's not good. He's just never. Yeah. He was good for a year, and we all convinced ourselves that many was good, but he's never actually been all that good. That's just sort of the reality of it. Um, what else? What is else is most interesting you to you going into the postseason? I think the Giants against the Vikings, because I'm just not believing in this Vikings team. I didn't like what I saw from them um, against the Bears. I didn't, you know, I know they won the game, 
I just think their defense is horrendous. And that Chicago team was basically just giving the game away. And I just, at times their offense looks unbelievable, but their defense is so horrendous. I, I think the Giants are knocking them off um, and making for, uh, you know, an interesting dilemma in the next round. Because, it, you know, I, I think if I'm the Eagles, the one team I don't want to see is the Cowboys. And more than likely they're going to end up seeing them, I think. I mean, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites at Tampa Bay. And, again, it goes back to familiarity. we got three divisional games in this round coming up with San Fran playing Seattle, Buffalo playing Miami. And the Buffalo-Miami game is vastly different if two is playing, but I don't think any of us expect that. Um, and, and then you got Cincinnati and Baltimore. So I, I think it plays out that we, we do get the top-tier teams in the next round uh, for the most part, yep. except for that Giants team. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting. And, and Jacksonville – uh, I'm sorry, Jags and Chargers, I'm really looking forward to, and Giants-Vikings. What do you think uh, San Francisco does about quarterback moving forward? Like, at some point, did they kind of have to acknowledge what's happening there, or did, it's too much? Well, the sad thing is Brock Purdy's looked better than the other two guys. Yes. Like, in that offense, he's looked better. The The passing numbers, are they're, they're higher than what they were with Garoppolo. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we've seen – I feel like we've seen enough of them to make that statement that Brock Purdy's their best option moving into next year. I ah, dude, I am feeling the exact same thing, which is crazy. And I don't I don't think they can get rid of Trey Lance cuz I think they have to have like the backup plan if for some reason like uh it all goes to hell, but man, I Dude, I By the I, way, Brock Purdy's done most of this without Debo. Right. Right. Now he's Debo's had been the, hurt. By the way, and there's been a lot of that where people are like, "Why is it looks different in San Francisco?" And then, then why couldn't the Ravens do that with a backup quarterback? One, I think we all start with Brock Purdy is definitely better than Tyler Huntley. No disrespect to Tyler Huntley, Brock Purdy is definitively better than Tyler Huntley. But two, even without Debo Samuel, they still present better weaponry between Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey than anything that the Ravens have to present as far as offense. I mean, that might be better than what anybody has in the league, to be honest with you. If you start breaking down running back. Uh, tight end, wide receivers, right. uh, tight end and two wide receivers, because, I mean, that's that's a really good group. And, oh, by the way, their offensive line is littered with, you know, first and second day picks. Um, so they, they have a good offensive line. You have a quarterback that's not making mistakes. What's not to like? Their, their play action is going to work because you have McCaffrey. McCaffrey's a, an absolute bell cow in all facets of the game. And then you bring in a guy like Debo when he's healthy and he takes some of the load running the football and making plays. And Brandon Ayuk, to me, is one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league. Nobody ever talks about him, but all he does is make big plays. There is no doubt, man. There is no doubt. There is. They are loaded, bro. They're loaded. All right. Uh, before I let you go, because our friend Sal Palantonio is going to join us here in a minute. I know he's your guy, too. Um, I love Sal Palantonio. Yeah, he's the best. My God, he's the best. Uh, I am taking my family to Disney next week, and it is a nightmare. Like, a nightmare. Ugh. The amount of money it's costing me, the number of things I have to do on every day in order to make this work. Now I got to figure out if I can take a, a box down with me to do the the post game show on Sunday night. From it's just a whole nightmare. Do you have a great vacation nightmare story from your life? Um. Well, I mean, I went to Disney once. That's a, a pretty huge vacation nightmare. Where, um, I was seventeen, and and my my kid sister and, and kid brother were very young, so it was for them. So I had the awkwardness of traveling around. I would say the, the only like nightmare that I had would have been um, when I proposed to my wife at the end of the week, I got severely sunburned going uh, snorkeling. <laughs> so like I had to spend, I spent one day kind of inside with lidocaine all over me because I burn easy. Yeah. And well, then yeah. I, I kind of gutted it out and wore a shirt the rest of the week at the beach. 
but I was on fire. And we're talking blistering and all. It was just nasty. You've, I thought you I thought you got stopped doing light up cocaine. I thought that was something that you didn't want. Well, I thought that was light up cocaine. That's yeah. yeah right. it's, it's it's good for the body. That it's one's good for the soul. That one's not bad. Uh, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Um, so it'll be all three. All of us are back. Uh, obviously, breaking down the playoff games uh, that are coming up. Um, we're going to announce uh, who won our pick'em contest throughout the year, straight up, um, and who finished last and has to take us all out for a bar tab. So that's a, we'll that's a far that more tomorrow. gentlemanly competition than what we do yeah. around these parts. Yeah, I, but I like what you do. It's just yeah. hard to get people that are willing to oh, I know. That's, do stupid things or be embarrassed because that's a fun part of life. These my, are great stories to tell. My, my uh, our intern, Carson, got so sick of losing that he just refused to participate last week. <laughs> he just said, yeah, I'm, thought, not, I'm not going to do it any longer. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, that sucks. I would have jumped in and... I would have gotten my Teletubby outfit and gotten the mayo back with you. <laughs> we did uh, this week. I'm. I might. I don't even know. I haven't done the math yet. I might have to enjoy a pork and beans popsicle this week. So I've got oh that. My yeah, God, got that going for me, which is nice. Uh-huh. Which is nice. Yeah, and I got to get in on some of this stupid stuff. Uh, well, I'm sure there'll be another one this week. I will make sure we reach out to you. I will make sure we let you All know. All right. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. Of course, how you follow him. His picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. All right. By the way, Laylawood to Georgia tonight. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. I am, I am with Love you it. on that. One of my that. favorite plays of the year. I'm with you yep. on that. Very good. All right, buddy. Jeremy, All right, I'll see you. Jeremy Con with us here on GCR as he is every Monday. Yeah, Carson bagged out. Said, yeah, I'm a little afraid of this one. I called one eight hundred gambler, and they, oh, is that they, what yeah, they, they told me they said, "Hey, man, you might want to yeah, chill." Had a, uh, Charles had a great week. Did he? Yes. He well, did. then I'm screwed. Yeah. Then I then I lost. Charles had a great week. Then uh, Ken and I are both eating pork and beans popsicles because apparently we picked every game the exact same way and didn't even notice on Thursday. Every game exactly the same, so we're screwed. Hey, uh, speaking of that, gambling can be fun. But you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services, which is exactly what Carson did, despite the fact that... I set my limit and I stayed within yeah, it. Your, your limit was, <laughs> was, was a couple of Oreos with mayonnaise. It was, it was three weeks of losing in a that's, row. That's what it was. Very good. All right, uh, let's talk a little more Ravens this morning. One of my absolute favorites, a legend in our business. He was in Cincinnati yesterday for Ravens-Bengals. He is, of course, the great Sal Palantonio from ESPN, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Sal, it's Glenn. It's always so good to catch up with you, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, you got it, Glenn. You got it. I just uh, landed from Cincinnati, so fresh off the trip. And I think my number one takeaway from the game is I think the Bengals are going to have a hard time beating the Ravens next week. Interesting. Is that predicated on Lamar Jackson needing to play in that game in order for that to be relevant for you? Definitely not. Okay. I think the Ravens' defense is good enough uh, for sure. Uh, you can make <clears throat> clearly make the Bengals' offense one-dimensional. They, they did so yesterday. Uh, you know, they rendered the Bengals' odd running game almost useless. They neutralized it. 2.8 yards of carry. I was waiting for Zach Taylor to keep handing the ball off to Mixon or Pirine to sort of take some of the pressure off Burrow, and they didn't do it also to run out the clock. You know, we were sort of TV watching mm-hmm. uh, 
in the press box there in Bengal land. And, uh, you know, we were watching the other games for obvious reasons. And uh, that Bengals-Ravens game ended very late. (laughs) It ended very late. It took forever to play that game. It it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have. It definitely shouldn't have. And, and, And that's the fault of the Bengals for sure, 100%. So, so Sal, let me let me throw this out there because I think that a lot of people are feeling what you felt, which is, boy, the the Ravens had no business being as competitive as they were yesterday, given, you know, that they didn't even play Tyler Huntley, that they didn't play J.K. Dobbins, they didn't play Mark Andrews, and yet here they were with a couple of things going a different way. They could have won that game. The other thing that stands out to me, and I, I wanted to get your sense of it from being down around those guys, it felt like the Bengals were emotionally jacked up for this yesterday like given that they've created this sort of scenario where they were the real victims of what happened last week which was kind of weird um it felt like they were kind of all in and i almost wonder if there's like a letdown that follows that they were so emotionally jacked up for that yesterday that can you turn around and be just as jacked up a week later for a game against the same team those are two interesting observations glenn so let me hit you back on both uh, I don't know the Bengals as well as I know the Ravens, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, I went through two Super Bowl runs with the Ravens and have been a one-winning drive many, many, many times. Yeah. Uh, but I was with the Bengals all the way through UCLA last year in a three-point loss to the Rams. And I've seen them a lot this year in wins and in losses. So let's start with the Bengals. Uh, you know, they were coming off a very emotional, torturously emotional week that many of them talked to me before the game and after the game about. And uh, I thought that they were actually in a good, comfortable place before the game. Uh, but then I think the air started to come out of it when they couldn't run the ball. And then they stopped running the ball. And, uh, you know, I thought that Joe Burrow was, you know, uh, erratic at times. As a result, uh, they weren't getting the kind of protection that they wanted to. When Kappa went down, Alex Kappa, the right guard, went down with that ankle injury. Uh, I thought it got worse. Uh, Boyd was hitting the head. He came back in. Uh, Burrow got uh, sandblasted into the turf right on his right shoulder in the fourth quarter. When that happened, I thought, man, oh, man. Zach Taylor is going to take a lot of criticism Criticism if Joe Burrow gets hurt in the fourth quarter of this football game. Uh, he really is. Because you're not running it, and you should be running it. Right. So, yeah, that, that to me is the – the, those are the takeaways that I have about the Bengals team. But afterwards, so Burrow handed out victory cigars to everybody. I think there was – they were savoring the moment that they got out of there with a win because they didn't play their best ball. As a matter of fact, Burrow said to me, we're going to have to play a lot better next week, and that starts with me. So, uh, you know, they were savoring the victory, but they were also just sort of in the moment after what happened on Monday Night Football and what they had to go through during the week. I think in the moment they were just relieved that it was over. Okay. Okay, I can understand that. It's certainly a lot. He is Sal Palantonio from ESPN. He's with us here on GCR. Sal, you mentioned the Ravens' defense. You and I, it's actually been a little while since you and I have talked, and the last time we talked, Roquan Smith wasn't a Raven, and we had some questions at the beginning of the year about the Ravens' defense, and he arrived, 
and we mostly stopped having questions after that point. Um, of course, you do a lot of the film stuff with the matchup show. Can you describe what a difference Roquan Smith has made to this football team? Because we had high expectations, Sal, but somehow this dude seems to have even exceeded that. Right. So, Glenn, we got 14 teams remaining alive, right? Yes. Seven in the NFC, seven in the AFC. Name a team that's got a better defense going into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I couldn't say definitively. Go ahead, I'll wait. I'll wait. No, like the the argument would be the the argument would be the Forty Niners, right? Like that would be the argument somebody would make, and I think that would be relevant. But I can't say it definitively. To your point, I definitively I can't say that they're better. Right. So the Ravens have, um, in my view, I think they have the best defense left in the AFC. It's better than the Dolphins. Certainly better than the Bengals. Certainly better than the Chiefs. Certainly better than the Chargers. Jacksonville, no. I mean, maybe the Chiefs. Give mm-hmm. them a little run. The Chiefs have got a good pass rush. Chris Jones is a good individual pass rusher. Yep. And you you got a double-team Chris Jones. You definitely do. 100%. But Roquan Smith has changed the attitude in the way very few middle linebackers can. And you twin him with Queen, and you got something pretty good. So I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm impressed. I really am. How's Broderick Washington? I know he limped off. I didn't hear anything yeah, about they him. Didn't, after he the didn't, game. They didn't give an update on him after the game, so I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else on that yet. Well, he's important to what they do. He's played. He's played really well. He's really stepped up this season. That's yes, he's, he is, he's played really well. He is absolutely. Up. But you know, they did. They bent. They they rested Andrews. He could have played. They rested Dobbins. He could have played. They obviously Kevin Zeitler could have played. Um, I'm not sure about Tyler Huntley. I don't know the extent of the tendonitis in right. his throwing shoulder. But you know, next week he's going to have to play if if Lamar Jackson can't go. So you've been around for a long time, as you point out, and you've been around the Ravens for a long time. Um, we've seen John Harbaugh a couple times last couple of weeks get, uh, you know, particularly perturbed talking about Lamar Jackson. Um, and he tried to clean some of that up last Friday. Like he tried to come out and say, hey, look, you know, I get it. I know you guys have to ask. And he, and he tried to, to maybe ease off because I think he sensed there was some reaction to what he was saying. This situation is so unique. And I have always, all along, said, and, and a little bit is some connection, some reporting, but I don't think it's unfair to me to pin it to anything. I've always thought it was absurd that people would try to say that Lamar Jackson was suddenly holding out at the end of a season when he wasn't doing it earlier. It's just so opposite of everything we know about Lamar Jackson and what he's all about. But I get that it's just one of the weirdest situations we've ever dealt with in Baltimore. Can you get a sense for what, if any, impact it's having on the team? as a whole, the unknown related to Lamar Jackson? I think it has an impact. Uh, I do think it's absurd. You and I are in agreement that it has anything to do with the holdout. Um, I think it's a legitimate injury, but I think it has had some impact for sure. You know, when you put that kind of pressure on your defensive players, um, it's rough. And you don't know whether the guy's going to play or not. It's rough. You know, he's, he's a leader of the team. 
And he, when he's at his best, you know, he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league in terms of being an overall threat. So it's a, it's a big hole. But I'm going to just say this emphatically, and I don't think I'm making any news here. Lamar Jackson is going to be on the football team next year, right? We can say that, right? I, I was going to let you answer that, Sal. I was going to give you that one to you. I, I, I can't fathom it going another way, right? I just can't fathom that. But there is the side argument that people continue to make that if you can't get an extension done before the franchise date, you can't operate where you have that one hit. You know, here's the thing, though. To me, it's on Lamar Jackson. That's, it's, to me, it's on Lamar Jackson. I think that Eric DaCosta and the brain trust there in Baltimore has done everything possible within the parameters of what Steve Bashotti has set down to sign the, to sign the young man. And, you know, we have a bunch of quarterbacks now next year <clears throat> that are going to get money. Uh, and Jalen Hurts is going to get some money. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is about to get a lot of money. Joe Burrow is going to get some money. Justin Herbert, correct? My, mm-hmm. no, yep. I put yep. him in there. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So, so the market's going to be set. And when I say the market, it's the guaranteed money, right? That's the key thing. It's the guaranteed money. Do you let me let me when when we and I'm see, not pri- I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, but I'm not okay. privy enough to the negotiations, right? But I'll I, but I'm, I'm just going to say this: you just have to look around the landscape <clears throat> in all sports, and it's become about the guaranteed money, of course. So, it's become about the guaranteed money, especially for quarterbacks. Do, do you? I, so I, I think it. I think. I think it starts at fifty million a year, guaranteed. I and by the way, I'm doing it for the record. I want to make that abundantly clear. Like we've we've seen that the Ravens are they're a better football team when Lamar Jackson's on the field. We know how this works. So if I could for a second, you you bring up. Well, the what's gar- the alternative, Glenn? See, the thing is. You know, I'm always like one of those people, and you've asked me this question over the years many times about coaches. First of all, I'm never in the business of firing a coach. That's not who I am. That's not how I do business. I'm too close to these guys. I know they have families. I know the assistants have families. I wouldn't say fire this guy. But if you're going to fire somebody or you're going to replace somebody, you better have a plan before you do it. Or you get stuck. You get stuck leverage-wise, and then you get stuck talent-wise. In both, maybe not in, not in that order. So you got to have a plan if it's not going to be Lamar Jackson. And I don't get the sense at all in talking to the Ravens that are that they are even considering that at this point. I think what they want to do is go to Cincinnati and win this football game by any means necessary. And I think they're going to win the game. Okay? So I think they're going to go to Cincinnati and they're going to win the game. I don't even know what the point spread is. I have no idea what it is. What is it? There are three different point spreads that exist based on who the quarterback might play. But at this point, it's sitting at about five and a half with the idea that Lamar could play. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, what was the score last night? 
I mean, it was a it was a two possession game. It was eleven point. You're right. Like I mean, it was what it was twenty eight sixteen was the score. Twenty seven. Who was your quarterback? Yeah, with Anthony Brown playing quarterback. I'm with you. I get it. It's... I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get real. I mean, I think they're going to go there and they're going to win the game. Wow. Wow. That's. I don't think the Bengals. I don't think the Bengals can run on them at all. I didn't see a very confident Joe Burrow in the pocket. I think I think McDonald is coming into his own as a play caller on defense from what I saw. I thought they got pressure in the critical moments. Kappa's not going to I don't think Kappa's going to play. Is Kappa going to play? You know, I, I, I think most of us are assuming he's not going to play, absolutely. Yeah, so, okay. Now you've lost Collins and Kappa. And the, bar, and the Bengals have been sleepwalking in the second half of their last two games at the pack. They got shut out. And yesterday, I think the Ravens are going to win the game. Sal, you've been pretty good with your predictions over the years. You know, you, you famously, the year you know. that they drafted J.K. Dobbins, you told me that morning, like, the Ravens are going running back early in this draft. Like, you, I, you, I, you might be making me race to put my money in on this. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not on one of those sports betting networks for a reason. Um, I want to keep my, you know, I'm, I'm in the bottom of the ninth here, Glenn. I want, I want to make sure I get to the finish line without screwing up my, uh, hey man. whatever. Hey, no, you're, you're South Palantonio. We're letting, if, if somebody stops you from getting to the finish line, the rest of us are coming in and we're going to have pitchforks ready to break things up at that point. <laughs> we're going to war. Anyway, you, I, I was very bullish on the performance, um, yesterday. Uh, you know, and the, I think, I think they're doing a really, they did a really good job of managing the situation. They remained competitive in a game where they rested four major players and they had their third string quarterback, uh, go out there, you know, and, you know, truth be told, he was, he was loose with the football. Yep. Um, and I don't, and I don't think the offensive coaching staff really helped him that much No. in terms, in terms of what they called. I think they stuck to the pretty much to their offense, even though they didn't have their offense out on the field, which I thought was strange. And then, you know, Sammy Watkins is probably beating himself up pretty good, but getting stripped by Jesse Bates at the end of the game, that sure. can't happen to a veteran for, for a veteran wide receiver like that. You know, what was interesting is, I don't know if you noticed that on the telecast, but earlier in the quarter, I think the drive before Watkins caught a ball and went to the middle of the field, ran to the hashes and he came to the sideline and he was met by John Harbaugh who motioned as if to explain to him, no, stay outside the hashes and use the sideline, the boundary mm -hmm. as an extra, as an extra protection. And that's what he did. And he wound up getting strip sack. Hmm. Stripped, uh, stripped, of, stripped, yeah, of, stripped the of the football, football. right there, downfield. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't. I'm have to go back and look at that now. So I didn't see it. I, if I could, because I know I kept you a while. I, I just want to wrap with this because you brought up the guaranteed money thing. I noticed in the aftermath of, and obviously, what a, what a wonderful weekend it was to see Demar Hamlin tweeting and taking pictures, and you know, it it turned into one of the great celebrations after one of the darkest stretches for football fans last week. It turned into a, a beautiful celebration. 
this weekend as we watched uh, DeMar Hamlin really get involved and, and, and he could feel all the love he was getting and sharing it back with everybody. But I also noticed that there were a lot of players tweeting about, like, this This is why we should be fighting for guaranteed money. Like, this is the reason that... Oh, know, really? I didn't see those. No, I didn't see there those was, There was an amount of that. And I just wondered if you know, something like this does impact... <laughs> Like Lamar, the word is that he has been fighting about fully guaranteed money. Well, he's Lamar Jackson. If if he can't get it, then you know the Demar Hamlins of the world will never be able to get it, right? Like that'll never happen. I do wonder. Yeah, if- well, the, the, I think the Deshaun Watson contract really, you know, uh, made it a third rail of discussion among the owners, and uh, you know that's pretty clear in listening to the comments of some of the owners, and um, I think. I'm going to use this cliche. Here it goes. I don't think you can put that toothpaste back in the tube. Right. Right. This is where we are now. I I, yeah. I, I don't think you can put it back in. I mean, like, and this is the <clears throat> double-edged sword. <clears throat> Excuse me, Glenn, with these dual-threat quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, like Lamar Jackson, like some of the others, like Kyler Murray. I mean, we had 66. Six different starting quarterbacks in the NFL, the most of any non-strike season uh, since the merger. 66 different starting quarterbacks in the National Football League. That's your most precious commodity, for lack of a better term. That's your most expensive line item on the budget. That's your most potent player on the field. How else can I explain it? Uh, But the NFL, the ownership, the general managers, when they get together, they have to figure out a way to keep – I mean, you you went to 17 games. It's not sustainable if you have so many backup quarterbacks in the game. It's just not. It's not a good product. And – you know, the players want guaranteed money. And so, you know, at some point, they're going to have to figure out what to do. And they don't have an answer. And I don't have an answer, right. really. But I'll tell you this, and everybody, it's plain as the nose on our face, right? The money's rolling in. So, Every, the, yeah, everybody's, my, doing, everybody's doing well right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, well, the players, in my view, if you want my opinion, the players should get guaranteed money. As much of it as possible. I, I understand the fight. I think I'm with you on that, Sal. So I think I agree. Um, what can I plug about the matchup show for this week, sir? Oh, we're just getting started with it. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously we'll have Super Wild Card Weekend, all the matchups in the show. And I'm very interested to see what Greg Cosell and Darius Butler come up for this, come up with, with for this game because of the great unknown with Lamar Jackson, right? No question. So, uh It'll it'll be uh, it'll be tough to figure out, but I'm sure that they'll figure it out. Sal Palantonio, I always appreciate you, my friend. Truly love our conversations. Thank you for taking the time for us as always, and we'll do it again real soon. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me as always. Sal Palantonio, he's the best. Um, he's all in on the Ravens. Like, he is really bullish about the Ravens going into Cincinnati on Sunday night. I pray to God he's right about it. It'd be great news for all of us. But not only does he think that they win, he thinks that they win and it doesn't matter if Lamar plays or not. Like, that is that is bullish, man. 
Sal's made a lot of predictions over the years with us, and he has been right a lot of times. A lot of times he's had a feeling about something, and like, I'm telling you, the J.K. Dobbins one was almost, it was it's prescient. Like, he literally said, he's like, Glenn, I'm telling you, they're going run, running back early in this draft. They're going running back early on. And remember, at the time, we were all like, really? Like, Mark Ingram? And, you know, like, what? Do you need to do that? Like, it seems like you have bigger needs. And sure enough, early in the draft, J.K. Dobbins. And I, I called him back. I'm like, bro, I'm never doubting you again. Like, I am never, I will never again. Because when he, when he says something, like, he says it. Right. And it, that was, you'd have to go back and pull the audio. Like, he was very clear. It was not a, I think they might. It was, they're going running back early in this draft. And we were all like, and I remember a bunch of us were, were texting that night. Like, Luke Jackson's texting me like, oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, I... Not doubting the man. We'll yeah. never doubt the man again. We'll be able to clip it again on late Sunday hopefully, night. Hopefully, yeah. we will see. Uh, we will see for the show that I'm not doing on Monday. <laughs> I, yeah. I guys, I would like to tell you about next week. I got a funny feeling. We got some work we need to do in the studio. We're probably just not going to be doing shows next week. I guess this might be your last week, Carson. Well, yeah, <laughs> now it might, I think it about it, yeah, it might be by default your last week. Well, I don't know though, because there's the week after that where I'm, I could come in. I think. What? <laughs> Are you never going back to school? Well, let me I see. You here. said it was the second. All right. No, oh no, no. dang! I do leave next week. Oh. <laughs> oh, I thought I left. Never mind. All okay. right. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, th- thank you. Appreciate it. Next Friday. I didn't know that. All right. Um, we'll we'll tell you more about that as the week goes on. I still have some things that I got to sort out about next week. But the most likely scenario is we just. I know it's a terrible timing coming off a playoff game, especially if the Ravens were to win. It would be awful timing. But this is the reality of being in the financial situation that I'm in in life. When somebody else says they can chip in for a trip to Disney, you got to work around their schedule. That's the way that it goes. Because I can't afford to take the kids to Disney on my own. Just the reality of it. So. Um, there's no easy way to solve the problem. We, we will discuss it further this week, but uh, it just looks like there's probably not going to be a show next week, the most likely scenario. But stay tuned. We'll try to get you an answer on that in the next uh, day or two. Um, in the meantime, we'll continue to hope. Either, wh- either way, I hope Sal Palantonio is right. Either way, whether I'm here to talk about it or not. I feel like we got to have him on like every day this week just to like, keep my morale up. Yeah, right. Going going into this into, game. He is so bullish yeah, about it. It's, it's wild, man. Very wild. All right. Um, Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, our pats on the ass for the entirety of the regular season, plus we'll quickly update picks. That's on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual best of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Bowl. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show, too. All right, we uh, continue along here on a Monday edition of GCR. Don't forget, I keep trying to warn you, these offers, they're going to go away. Don't know when, but take advantage of them now while you can, like $200 in free bets from DraftKings after you place your first $5 bet. Or $1,000 in risk-free bets from BetMGM. Time is limited, so get to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. I've had a few of you reach out about this. You don't need an additional password or something like that. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, and the links are there. And if you click on that link, it will immediately give you whatever that offer is that's available for the various uh, betting companies. So you don't need any more information. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Let's get into Pats for the entirety of the regular season, which wrapped up yesterday. Again, we're not doing Pats or Slaps today because, again, the game just was not relevant enough for it to warrant it. So we're doing regular season long Pats and Slaps. We did our Slaps a little bit earlier on. Let's get the Pats on the ass. Again, the rules remain the same. Five Ravens, rank them five to one. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. Number one is your, I guess, your MVP. It's your your man of the year is the way that we would put it because we normally call it man of the match. 
Uh, my number five, it was really tough for me. There was a bunch of guys that I considered that that, that left were left right off the list. Uh, guys like Patrick Queen, guys like Kyle Hamilton, guys like Tyler Linderbaum. But um, the J.K. Dobbins thing was just really too important for me to leave him off the list. So J.K. Dobbins was number five. I get it again. There's a couple of guys on my list that didn't play for the entirety of the year, and so it was it was tricky in how I looked at them. But he was just so good when he played that J.K. Dobbins was number five for me. Uh, my number five, uh, I felt like I kind of struggled trying to pick a second offensive guy. Um, but I ended up going with Mark Andrews because... I don't know why that would be. Because I... One, I, one unit on the offense was so good all year long that, like, there could have been three of them on my list. Okay, for you, okay, for sure, for you, I guess. I feel like we pretend I, like the offensive line doesn't exist when we talk. Like, I got This is the fight that I got into with Cordell a couple weeks ago. He's like, well, the offense doesn't seem to be playing all that hard. I'm like, are you watching the same offense? Do we just pretend like offensive linemen don't exist? Like, the offensive line this year was exceptional. Like, exceptional. I didn't even put Morgan Moses on my list, and he, there are arguments, was the best one of the group. Like, the offensive line was awesome this year. Suggesting that it was tough to find offensive players is crazy to me. Well, I guess I couldn't pick. I I didn't know what one offensive lineman I wanted to put. That's a a better argument to make than suggesting it was hard to find offensive players. It was not hard to find offensive players. Anyway, Andrews is my five. Um, I mean, I guess someone had it on on their slaps list, which I guess is somewhat understandable because he had, I guess, a down year. It's the the standard that you have for Mark Andrews. And and he, I mean, he was the only offensive guy. If if we had cut it off at the point where Lamar Jackson got hurt, then he would have been on this list with a bullet for me. You know, he didn't make the list because it just kind of disappeared after that point. Yeah, but I mean, he was the best player on the field for essentially most of the season uh, by a wide margin. The best skill position. Yeah, best skill position. You keep doing that. I do. I apologize for my offensive line. I keep ignoring it, I guess. Uh, but Mark Andrews is my number five. I thought he was, you know, the Ravens are probably even a lot, even much worse without him. So. Well, I mean, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I also had Mark Andrews at number five, only because, you know, in like we had said earlier, yeah, he had a down year, but if you look at the statistics in terms of receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, no one else is even close. So if you don't have him, you are left with absolutely nothing. So he makes my list at five. Uh, Ronnie Stanley's my number four, and again, that was a tricky one because he didn't play all season long, but it's just the disparity of when Ronnie Stanley's on the field and when he's not on the field. Like, it's just, it's too glaring how much of a difference there is for me to ignore it. Ronnie Stanley, who we had kind of written off at one point this year, not only came back, but came back and was dominant. He was Ronnie Stanley again, and I think that's a huge... In, in looking at big picture, it's about as big of a revelation as the Ravens had this season. I don't know that there's remember we were talking about their need to find a left tackle like into this well into the season we were talking about that and now it's oh no right not only do they have one he's one of the best in football it's a major change in how the season went so Ronnie Stanley's my number four. And now you got me f- feeling really bad about my list because I don't have any offensive linemen, and I guess I mean it's just it's just it's, that's why it's so hard to be an offensive lineman because they mess up like once, and you're like, well, they he did have that one bad thing, and I guess that was that's on me. But I had Tucker as my number four, T- Justin Tucker. I mean, I get it. I didn't think it was the year for him to make the list. You right, know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. Like, but I, I think I, just because of I how bad it. the offense was at points, he. I mean, he was our, the only way we were scoring points for a, for it felt like a lot of the season. Okay, you guys are about to get really mad at me, but you're gonna have to let me explain this. I don't, I don't, well, my number four is Lamar Jackson. 
Why, why would I be mad? I thought you guys were gonna freak no, out. No, I don't I, know. That's I can look, absolutely like, consider he's, Lamar. He's Lamar. Up to up to you know the injury. He's you know we are here in a playoff position because of you know he he played well enough to to clinch us a playoff spot, and so I think he deserves a spot on the list. I have no argument yeah. there. I, 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 I legitimately I no, thought you guys I no were. I thought, you guys, I thought there I was going to be an explosion. I didn't put yeah. him on my list, but he's higher on mine. Like I get it. I have no problem with it. Um, this the only thing that I'm exploding about is Griffin's obsession with the idea <laughs> of trying to pretend like Patrick Queen's not a really good football player. Like that's the only really thing good. that's like I'm I. I'll never be under be able to understand like what's kind of anti Patrick Queen. It's not that he's kind of an, it's blindly yeah, anti Patrick Queen. He's like he's just decided that's the hill he wants to die on. No matter it's the guy that hated LeBron James, so they're doing everything in your power to try to pretend but like that's something ridiculous else is to hate happen. LeBron James. I, I, what you're saying about Patrick Queen is also ridiculous, it's and not. that's the part. Like you're missing that. It's ridiculous. Pro bowler. Number oh. three, Kevin Zeitler is my number three. And again, it was very difficult because it meant that Tyler Linderbaum and Morgan Moses, like four offensive linemen could have all been on this list. Four of the Ravens offensive linemen were outstanding. I don't want to make anyone feel bad, season. so I didn't put anyone there. Right. That's there you go. Yes. That's a good point. Because you can't pick your favorite. Um, we keep trying to do the bit. I get it. Like, but we are ignoring the offensive line was excellent, and Kevin Zeitler was excellent, and to the point where he was probably deserving of Pro Bowl nod as well. I don't, I just, I don't get worked up about the Pro Bowl, but it would have been cool to see him get it because he hasn't been there before. But Kevin Zeitler was great. He's my number three. Uh, my number three, Roquan Smith. I mean, as soon as he arrived, we immediately felt the difference, and he's continued to prove that. I mean, they're as Sal Powell just said, they're probably the best defense in the AFC, and uh, because of him. So, Rogue one's higher on my list. My number three is Marcus Williams because uh, he led the team in interceptions. I know he missed some games, but if you look at the secondary last year and how bad it was, it was Swiss cheese. And now it's, you know, it, I would say it's a big improvement. We took a big step forward this year in the secondary. And he's, you know, dis despite missing games, he's tied for 11th in the league in interceptions. He's got four of them, and he's a big difference maker. So, he's my number three. I think he deserves to be on this list. Um, I, You know, I thought Marcus Williams was great. He didn't make my list, but I, he, he was great. I probably would have, boy, I would have been torn between he and Kyle Hamilton. Like the question is, if Marcus Williams had played all season, yeah. he probably would that's kind of why I did it. I was like, you know what, he missed some games. This really isn't his fault yeah. for getting hurt. So I, it's, he, he would have been, you know, he tough. might have been number two if it's he had played tough. more. Um, my number two is Marlon Humphrey, and was the only other person I considered. I I did a segment on 105.7 about the difficulty that I had. I am a Ravens MVP voter, and it was tough this year I, I haven't seen my ballot yet i better get that maybe i should follow up make sure i still am a voter maybe <laughs> they kicked me off this year because i'm pretty sure i didn't vote last year i don't even remember uh, why like i just think i forgot they the playoffs? i can't yeah right? who cares? i don't know what happened there it was just so gross down the stretch that i was like yeah whatever who was your mvp or who was i don't remember oh, I, okay. it's a funny thought i don't remember like i don't even remember it was just everything was so yeah. Ugh yeah. last year that i don't even remember who i would have voted for maybe uh, yeah, we could be here for a while. Uh, maybe Mark Andrews, yeah. I guess. I it probably would have yeah. been Andrews. Um, but Marlon Humphrey, you know, outside of one game, was the most consistent player from week one to week 18 this season. You know, like, save for one game. And they won that game, ironically. Save for one game, he was their, their most consistent high-level player from week one to week 18. So he didn't get number one on my list, but... He's number two, and he didn't allow a touchdown all year long. He did, of course, commit a pass interference in the end zone, but he didn't allow a touchdown all season long. Marlon Humphrey's my number one. Yeah. Oh, he's no, number, number sorry, two. my number yeah, two. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, ditto. He's my number two as well. I mean, I, I think he's an all-pro. He's one of the 
prob- one of the top corners in the in the entire league. Um, and yeah, he played he played like it week one through eighteen. So Marlon Humphrey, I mean, and and, and, he, and he's just he's like my he's probably my favorite player on this team. Like he just on the field, off the field. I like Marlon so Humphrey good. a lot. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. He's, I like like him a lot. he's fun yeah. to follow on social media. Yeah, off I the get field. It. I love Marlon Humphrey. Yep. So number two. It was tough for me to pick from the group of of uh, offensive linemen, but I put Tyler Linderbaum at number two, and great. I think maybe there's a little bit of bias there because he was a rookie and he just impressed everyone so much in his first season. But I, you know, I, I like him at number two. He made a really nice impact, and that's you know, it was tough for me to pick O linemen, but yeah, I I went with Linderbaum. Um, Tyler Linderbaum was awesome. I mean, outside of the the, the couple of issues at the beginning of the season, but yeah, with at, like getting the ball yeah, snapped. After, and after that, he was incredible. I mean, again, that's why the, the problem was there were too many offensive players. Not that it was hard to find some. Griffin, I was trying to figure out who separated. No, I was trying to figure out who separated themselves the most. That was what I struggled with. Okay, that's didn't say that. <laughs> don't well, I got, don't I got say to. what you I, I just said. did. Yeah. Number one. Uh, Roquan Smith. He was just too dominant. He was just too effing dominant for me to to do anything else here. And will ultimately, I, I this was gonna be the column I was gonna write this week, but he will be my vote for Ravens MVP. Um, and I know that's kind of crazy, yeah. but he was just too good. He was too bloody good for me to not make him my MVP. Roquan Smith is my number one. Now, now this is probably where Carson, if Carson had put him here, this is where you might actually admit. I have Lamar Jackson my number one. I mean, yeah. he, the, the t- it is so evident this is how the only issue I have with not a bad without point. him. I, uh, I, I, I know what you're saying. It, he shouldn't be number one. I think and this goes back to your kind of quarterback obsession thing I that we so. talked about yeah. before. Like, you've done both tropes today, so congratulations on that. Like you've brought back all your greatest hits for this segment. <laughs> it's I mean it, um, they're a different team. They're completely. I mean they're playing. They're they were running away with a division. If, if even even when he wasn't playing, the, the, if he, they had been top. playing like that, like the, if they played for the first month like that until he got hurt, you would have a strong argument mm-hmm. because he was not playing that well in the couple of weeks leading up to when he and got they're hurt. Still winning, and they were still winning games. And not all of them. No, no. Like but they, they were still winning. They were still winning games. Like they. They won what three in a row, three or four. But you can't. This bit where you're pretending like he's the one that's responsible for that is the bad bit. I like mean, this Tyler goes, Huntley. This when Tyler goes, Huntley comes in. This it shows goes, nobody is debating the difference between Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. You're you're caught up on some fight that you the had Ravens, with some person a year ago. Unwatchable. Have played. I understand that they weren't him. playing particularly good football before Lamar got hurt. I get it. There is a strong argument for Lamar to be on the list. He didn't make my list, but there's a strong argument for him to be on the list. I mean, they went to from be number one would have required him to keep playing at the outstanding level that he started the season off at. I couldn't put him at number one. I can't hear the argument for that because he wasn't continuing that outstanding level in the weeks leading up to when he got hurt. I feel like that's almost more reason to put him on there because they were still because they were still playing well enough to win the division. You are the one that decides that the quarterback is what matters in wins and losses. I mean, quarterbacks play a big part. Play quarterbacks big, big can, part. can play a very Carry good part. Carry a lot part. more weight with me, and that's why he's my number it's, one. This is your trope. Like this again, you're doing all the greatest hits. This is the way that it goes. I don't think I'm wrong. Uh, of I'm course, saying. you don't think you're wrong, Griffin. You're the one who said it. <laughs> Griffin's like, let me tell, back up the argument I make. I agree with myself. <laughs> Strong argument, counselor. We're gonna go ahead and who's more important than guilty? The Jesus. Christ. 
Christ. So uh, my number one is Justin. T- I'm just kidding. It's Ro- it's Roquan Smith. <laughs> yeah, Roquan Smith's the answer. He's the guy. He's the guy. Now again, if your argument is that you had put Marlon Humphrey at number one because Roquan wasn't here all season long, I listen to that argument. But that's Fine. the only yeah. argument against Roquan Smith. I just saw the whole defense change when Roquan it's joined the defense. Nothing. And we, Queen we, even. I mean, Queen was having a good season, but since Roquan's gotten there, he's really come into his own. I think well, so. he's been even better. I don't disagree yeah, with 100%. that. Like, he was good. He went from good to incredibly yeah, good. Like um, the the Roquan Smith thing is one of the greatest revelations that we've mm-hmm. ever seen in the history of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, yep. you know they got to pay him and they got to figure all that stuff out. Yeah. But like it's I this is it's unreal how much he changed this yeah. football team upon his r- arrival. All right, uh, some of the slaps that have come in, or sorry, from the pats that have come in from you guys, from Brian Reynolds, but not the one that we were talking about the Orioles <sighs> trading for. Uh, Linderbaum, Tucker, Hamilton, Marlin, and Roquan from five to one. Um, from KZ, KZ apparently. Yeah, what did he do? KZ put two number twos on his list. Nice. Five Linderbaum, four Tucker, three Mike McDonald. Let me just kick. You can't put Mike McDonald on your list because you already put Tucker. I fixed your list for you. You're welcome. The so I three. I think Brian's w- list was. Not correct either, right? Didn't he have four defensive players? Did Brian just have four defensive players? Go back. I, I got to go back and check. He had three. I'm going to make his list three Roquan, two Kyle Hamilton, one Lamar. So he's with you. Um, although he doesn't know how to make a list. So I'm not sure that that's the guy that you want <laughs> being with you. Uh, Tucker, Hamilton, Marlon. Yep, you're right. He had three defensive players and one offensive player on his list. Yep, sorry, cheater. Cheater, cheater. Che- you cheated. Um, yeah, this one's the most bizarre one of them all. This came from uh, JD. Five Saunders. So Steve Saunders, right? I get it. I, I understand what you're saying there. Four. Michael Pierce? What the hell is that? For standing on the sideline? <laughs> oh, that was a slaps list, by the way. Oh, oh no. That was a slaps list. <laughs> okay. That was a slaps list. Uh, his pats were Linderbaum, Morgan Moses, Matabike. That's an interesting. All right. That's maybe <sighs> yeah. fair. I don't know if he should be three, but Matabike was very good this season. I'm with that. Uh, Mark Andrews, two, and Roquan, number one. John Proctor, five, Justin Tucker, four, J.K. Dobbins, three, Roquan, two, Justin Houston. That's <sighs> tough because yeah. he did. He was really good. But then he disappeared for And like, that's the he problem. He disappeared for like, like five It's weeks. hard to, to measure those two things. Um, but then you could say Andrews disappeared for five weeks. So I, I guess, I don't know. It's very difficult. And then number one, Ronnie Stanley. And then after he sent it, again, in very Proctor fashion, I just realized I should have had Marlon Humphrey on this list. Please give me a slap for my omission. He was struggling today. It was a struggle. On the struggle bus. John it's Proctor. Monday. That is true. Uh, uh, Jason, five. Dobbins, four. Hamilton, three. Andrews, two. Queen, one. Roquan. From uh, my guy Raven's dumbass, five. Roquan. Five. Roquan. Four J.K. Dobbins, three Kyle Hamilton, two Patrick Queen, one Lamar. Well, that's very much a, an Oakham's razor for you, because you, that, that should be your guy because he's got Lamar at number one, but you can't brace him because he's got Queen at number two. I don't know so what now he's watching. you can't fix. Probably the football team, if I had to guess. Probably the football team. Maybe he's, maybe he's only watching offense. I guess. No, I don't think that's the case. Uh, from uh, Lawrence, five Lamar, four Stanley, three Marcus Williams, two Patrick Queen, number one Roquan. It's so funny how everybody else so wrong. sees something yeah. except for one person. And instead of maybe thinking aloud like, is it possible that I'm wrong? You say, no, it's the children who are wrong. Like you're um, 
what's his face principal whatsoever from this who's the principal's name from the simpsons uh, that we do the say, meme for him i thought you were gonna say uh, the principal from captain underpants no i've n- I've never thought about the that's, that's mr krupp if you're wondering uh, isn't it principal i thought krupp. i know that there's a, 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 a something poopy pants in captain underpants oh, yeah, there's there's, uh, uh, there's like uh, professor poopy pants something like principal that. skinner principal skinner jesus yeah. christ where's my brain yes yeah, principal skinner it was like, no, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> that mean. That's that's Griffin. Everybody else is informed. No, I'm right and you're wrong. You compare that's, me to a successful principal? Okay. I don't know how successful. You remember all the things that occurred at the Springfield Elementary School over the years? Uh, not I all of them. I don't <laughs> think that that's the comparison a lot of things that you want, pal. I think that's a bad choice. Continue to get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio yeah. on principal Twitter. Principal for over 20 years? Uh, quickly, we're, uh, let's do a picks recap. Not that I want to. Pro- uh, although Proctor, I am still tied for first place, Proctor pick a good week to just not participate in the uh, in the side bet. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, he'd be in on this. He would be in on this as well. Well, actually, it would come down to tonight if he was in. Wait, did he? Did he? No, I think he did give me a thumbs up. Oh, he did. Wait a second. I, I gotta. Remember. I gotta I reconfirm that. I'm pretty sure he gave me a thumbs up on the side bet. I'm that, pretty sure it would make tonight's game matter. Uh, if he is, you know what? Now I can't. Now I can't see that he did. Oh damn it. No, he di- he gave me a thumbs up, but I don't remember when it was. So you know what? Maybe Proctor. Let's just say he is. Maybe he did. Proctor <laughs> did avoid. Maybe he did avoid the side bet this week. That son of a bitch. He's listening, so he's gonna tell me that he avoided it. I don't know. <laughs> if he was a man, he would say he's in now because he could still avoid it. He could still not lose if TCU covers tonight. If TCU covers tonight, he's safe. But if they don't, and he's in, then he would be the sole loser. When yeah. it comes to uh, picks this week. So here's the deal. Uh, Kansas City, Vegas, uh, Griffin, myself, and KZ were all in Kansas City. That was never in doubt. Uh, nine and a half was a big number, but they covered it comfortably. The Tennessee-Jacksonville thing was was kind of crazy because it looked like, obviously, Tennessee was going to win the game for a little while. Jacksonville just never really got going on Saturday night. And then I was doing the math of like, well, I don't really want them to score a touchdown. I want them to kick a field goal and get this thing to overtime so they can cover or at least, you know, at least no such luck. No such luck. The uh, strip sack was returned. Oh, Proctor says, F it. I would have been in. I would have been in had I been listening. I wasn't listening. So F it. I will be in. I can't be a coward after a bad week. So it does all come down to tonight. Very okay. interesting. All right. Very on. interesting. And it all comes down to tonight. Uh, anyway, Griffin, uh, Kyle, and Stetka were on Tennessee for that one. And they do cover the six. Everybody was on the Steelers because that was a bizarre number. I'll never understand that. That was easy money this weekend. Steelers, although it was competitive for a little while, but the Steelers ultimately went 28-14 over the Browns. Started off pretty hot. Yeah, you were 3-0 and at that yeah, point. I guess I was technically 4-0 because the Ravens game was already oh, decided. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you won one more, and you lone wolfed yeah. it, so you got that going for you. Uh, this one, the most bizarre one of the week. I, I'll never, because I stopped watching at 19-0. I turned it off at 19-0, like, pff, all's good. We got ourselves a Philly cover, nothing to worry about here. And then... I have dinner with the family, and I go to sit down and watch Sunday Night Football, and I look at the scoreboard, and it says... Oh, by six? What the F happened? Had a chance to almost win it. They got an onside kick. God, Philly does indeed uh, get the number one seed, but they do not cover the 14-point spread. Davis 22-16. Yeah, he showed up in the second half. John Proctor and Andrew Steck steal that point. Uh, we were all on Dallas, and we were all very wrong, despite the fact that they were trying. 
Sam Howell looked really good. Uh, interesting how that plays out moving forward. I, I think they still have to be in the quarterback market, but maybe it's not a top-tier quarterback. Maybe it's like a veteran and Sam Howell. I don't know what they do. Yeah. Of course, the ownership thing is significant. Washington wins 26-6. to six. That was uh, nowhere close. 27-point yeah. swing from the line and where it ended up finishing. Uh, Griffin was the lone wolf on Denver. Although, ironically, I actually put some American dollars on Denver later ah, because I liked, you I, I liked your argument. I was so moved by your argument. You were completely wrong, and yet you were right anyway. <laughs> All that matters is that I was right. That's, that's that's the, it was, it's bizarro world, man. Bizarro world. For those that missed it, Griffin was like, dude, the Ravens are going to lose and the Chargers will have clinched. They're not going to try. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Piss. But then I felt good about myself because I saw the Chargers were trying. I'm like, ah. Griffin's stupid. Why would I ever listen to him? And sure enough, not only did they try, they lost and players got hurt in the process. Because I guess Brandon Staley just doesn't want to have a job any longer. Yeah, like, uh, what an idiot. Anyway, Denver wins I'm going to miss Brandon Staley. I liked him as a coach. I did, too. It's just... <laughs> it seems inevitable that he can. How can you be so bad at so many things when I like the, I like the idea of him being the sort of cowboy, being aggressive, <laughs> right? Like, I was all in on it. It's just so dumb. Denver uh, not only covers but wins outright, and so Griffin gets that as a lone wolf. Uh, Green Bay, I I am surprised. Yeah, I, I'm shocked. Like, like I, again, you can say the Lions once they were, they were playing with house money, once they were eliminated, and they did a lot of things they wouldn't have done if the playoffs were still at stake. But I mean, does that include Jamal Williams running all over you? Like, I don't know, man. Lions went outright. Green Bay is eliminated, which is also a bummer, not because I'm rooting for Aaron Rodgers any longer, but he's just more entertaining to watch than the Seahawks. Like, I would have been more excited for a Green Bay-San Francisco game, which yeah. I'm also pretty sure would have been the Sunday night game. Yeah. Um, that's why the Ravens kind of moved into that spot once Green Bay was out, and that's why they waited until the end of the game. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of what it is. Green Bay loses to Detroit, and so John Proctor, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Andrew Stecka all get that point. Only Paul Valley and John Proctor were on Baltimore. Why, I have no idea, but it is what it is. 27-16, the Bengals win. So, going into the night. Charles is actually, so Charles would be winning if uh, like he would have the best. Because he, he, he had every pick I had, except he had Detroit. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So how he about had, that? He, had, he would be 6-2 and two What a week for Charles, yeah. man. That's crazy. So, going into the night in the title game. Here's where we are. Brutal week for Paul Valley. Yeah. He's now the vice worm. And only four games Ooh. back. Good week for Stecka. Andrew Stecka. So there's there's not a lot of games left, but he did exactly what I needed to do. He stayed within shouting distance to keep it interesting enough that if he could get two more games back this week, then there's very much a competition at the end. Paul Valley now, uh, after a 1-7 week, although are they on different sides of tonight? No, they're both on TCU. So they're gonna, it's going to be a four-game difference no matter what after tonight. Uh, Kyle Ottenheimer could move into a tie for Vice Worm, however, if TCU covers. So we'll keep uh, our eyes on that. So 1-7 for Paul Valley. Then you find myself, as well as Ken Zalis, as well as John Proctor, all 3-5. and five. And I'm nice and safe. Yeah, you're good. Me you got Charles nothing to worry both, about. Me and Charles both. Nothing both to worry nice about as far safe. as the uh, pork and beans popsicle. Yeah. Nothing to concern yourself. Just got to just got to make it. That's all I got. Five and three for you. Five and three for Andrew Stecka, who again keeps staying afloat. Also four and four for Kyle for the week. So for the year where we are again with tonight still to be determined. I'm tied with Proctor atop the table, 
78 and 84. It's so embarrassing. But we are on other sides of the night, so one of us will be in first place going into the postseason. Uh, KZ is three games back, tied with Griffin now, who's still, both of you, very much still in the conversation. And then Kyle is five games back, and Paul Valley is six games back. But Andrew Stecka, who's made a little charge here of late, is trying his damnedest to avoid being the worm. He is 10 games back, but only four games clear of Vice Worm. Again, the uh, loser of our competition has to eat a worm burger, dress up as the worm Dennis Rodman, perform, perform Scotty Two Hotties worm, and take a Rikishi-style stink face. Oh, Proctor didn't think Cincy was going to be trying this week. Remember, of course, we made our picks before we knew what the NFL was going to do with the uh, Cincy-Buffalo thing. That's um, just kind of where we are. That's kind of where we are. <sighs> Very good. All right. Um... Today's show brought to you by UMBC. We got a nice win on Saturday on the road, the UMBC men. It was good to see that. You need to get out the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena and check out the Retrievers back at home this Saturday to take on Hartford at 1 o'clock. Get your tickets, umbcretrievers.com. Hmm, sorry. I don't know if it's Hartford or if it's Maine. Can, I think it's Maine, actually. Can you double-check on that for me? Uh, mistake that was made on their website, or on their uh, Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena website, where they listed both games for this Saturday at 1 o'clock, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. I'm pretty sure they'll only play one. So, please, I think it's Maine on Saturday, if I remember correctly. You are correct, and they have Hartford on Monday. Mark. As in next month. Yes, 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 as yes. Next, next Monday. Monday. Yeah. So, two great chances. Uh, Monday is a holiday. Are they playing a, mat- a matinee? Or are they uh, it's 5 o'clock. 5, five o'clock, o'clock on yep, Monday afternoon. 5 o'clock with the holiday. Yeah. So a good time, two great chances for you to check out the Retrievers who are playing really well. They're playing a very entertaining brand of basketball. Get to UMBCRetrievers.com in order to get your tickets and experience game day at the peak. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit and tube to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Where's Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, January 10th at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glorydaysgrill Great food, good sports. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. I don't know what you've been waiting for. If you haven't picked up the print issue of PressBox, you need to do so. It is the best of 2022 issue. Adley Rutschman, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, is on the cover. Get it for free at your area of Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, you want to do? You want to act like a, um, a sports update anchor today, Carson, and do the sure. rundown of all this stuff that we were just talking about during the break? Okay. All right. Yeah. This is gonna be the fastest minute. This is gonna be the fastest minute. The fa- I, I think somebody already powered part. I, I think know. that's I, I was, that's was, already it claimed. Gonna be, it was gonna be a play. Gotta come on. Up it was gonna something. be a play on words. We did make uh, Paul Valley our one minute man right. for a little while. That was how he was uh, giving his Orioles updates back when we thought the Orioles were gonna stink and we were only willing to talk about them for, for one, one minute. minute. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to yesterday real quick. The Bears earned the number one pick in the draft. We know that the Texans got rid of Lovey Smith and some other front office and coaching changes in the NFL. Some turnover in the Cardinals organization. They fired Cliff Kingsbury today. And then Steve Keim stepped down, the former GM. And then we move on into the into the AFC North, into our division. The Browns got rid of Joe Woods, their defensive coordinator, after three seasons. That's it. That's it. Dean Pease, former it. Ravens oh, defensive that's right. Dean coordinator, is also retired again yes. this time from the Falcons. The third time that he has retired as a defensive coordinator in his career. Third time's a charm. The, the Brett Favre of defensive coordinator. And I guess the Patriots have confirmed that Bill Belichick will return again next year. I didn't know there was a lot of yeah. bluster. Yeah, because I've, I've, you would have think with was, him they would have made a big deal about is he coming back, but I, I hadn't heard a thing about yeah, it. Yeah, I hadn't really heard much about that. Obviously, a lot of um, a lot of bluster last night about how Aaron Rodgers deny, wouldn't give... Um, Jamison Williams the jersey. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, come on. And was sort of basking in walking off the field with Randall Cobb. That was nice. I liked that. But the question is, is it just because he thinks it's the last time they're going to play together, or is he was he convinced that this was it for him? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, somebody... I believe Spotrack, the Twitter account for Spotrack, like put a tweet out this morning looking at the math of Aaron Rodgers not being the Packers quarterback next year, and there's they they can't afford for him to not be their quarterback next year. I got to pull this tweet up because it's kind of insane. Maybe the the Ravens and Packers trade straight up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers 2023 cap hits with the Packers. If he plays, 31.6 million dollars, non-restructurable. If he's traded, 40.3 million dollars. Oh. If he retires. $40.3 million. If he's released, $99.7 million. Oh, my God. 
So he's coming back. Essentially, like, they can't afford for him to not play. Now, they don't get to decide whether he retires or not, obviously. But, like, they can't. There's no scenario where they can be like, well, it's Jordan Love time. Like, they can't make that Does he follow the same exact path that Brett Favre did? He goes to the Jets? Well, that's what a lot of Jets fans were hoping for because it's just that sad to be a Jets fan. That Like, the best-case scenario is that you get a 40-year-old quarterback. Like, that's what you have. Like, that's all you can root for as a Jets fan. They almost did it. My buddy Rami, who I think is actually going to be filling in for you when you're gone here in a couple weeks because uh, he works over at 105.7 The Fan. He's a Jets fan. And, um, like, he said to me one morning, he was like, Dude, you just have to understand that like the greatest quarterback of my lifetime was the guy that ran into somebody's ass on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I was like, that's the most depressing sentence I've ever heard. Brett Favre? Yeah, I guess not. Because it was for you know a year. Like Mark Sanchez took him to two AFC yeah, championships. Yeah, I was just saying they went to two F- AFC championships. Like, and it, it, that's the problem is saying he was the greatest quarterback. Like he wasn't very good. It was more that like their defense for the most part got them the two AFC championship they had a decent games. team they had but Rex yes, Ryan correct like they he didn't screw it up by any stretch of the imagination let's go eat a snack they had that everybody was very excited about it yes. he was he was the deal all right um here we go tidbit tidbit is brought to you today by the all new Ginsu Kamado grill use the code tailgate save $100 ginsugrills.com uh Brock Purdy stat he's thrown multiple touchdown Touchdown passes in six straight games as a rookie, joining one other player to uh, have that many consecutive games with multiple touchdown passes. Uh, this player did it seven straight times in 2020. Who is this rookie? It was only two years ago. I should yeah. probably know that. Yeah. Uh, Wait a so multiple rookie? touchdown passes in seven straight games? Yes. As a rookie? As a rookie. So Purdy's done it six. This player did it seven times in, in 2020. 2020. In 2020. Uh, okay, hang on. Hang on, I got to think about who the rookies were in 2020. So that would mean this was their third year in yes. the NFL. Yeah, this would be so it was the year after Joe Burrow. Yes. So. Or no, this was Joe Burrow's. This is Joe rookie Burrow's year. rookie year. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. The COVID season. Was his rookie year? Because he got yeah. hurt. Oh Remember yeah. Remember he was playing it. decent, then he got hurt. So Joe Burrow. Not Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, yes. Right, yeah. Justin Herbert did it seven times in 2020. Only oh, yeah, because Joe Burrow got hurt. What am I doing? Right. Yeah, Only rookies right. with six plus six or more games uh, straight of multiple touchdown passes. Uh, and then also Patrick Mahomes on Saturday uh, set the record for the most offensive yards passing, rushing, and receiving yeah, I saw that. in a single season in NFL Yeah, history. but it was 17 games, so give it an asterisk. Yeah, yeah you got to put an asterisk there. Uh, so who um, – w- can you round out the top ten? Spell that word. Spell, round out the top Ask, No, spell that word for me. Uh, spell it. Round out the No, top. no, no, the word. The, what we're going to put on the, the, you know. Oh, asterisk. Yeah, spell uh, it. A-S-T-E. A-S-T-E-R-I-S-K. See, I thought you said asterisk when you said it the first time. That oh. was why I was like. Okay, gotcha. That's what I thought I heard yeah. the first time was Not a good talker. Which is a very common thing for people to say. Asterisk. Is asterisk when it's not asterisk. asterisk. It's asterisk. Yes, correct. So that was why I was asking the question. This wasn't a Bengals thing where it's just very, very Baltimore wrong. the way that you say it. I was just it. wrong. Yes, right, flat out. Which I'm not often. Oh, no, never. Almost almost never. See my picks record yeah. this week? Yeah, you know what? You had a good picks record. You did have that going for you, which is nice. All right, so what am I saying? Most uh, passing, rushing, and receiving yards yeah. uh, in a single season in NFL history. Try to round out the top ten. They're all within the last 11 years. Lamar Jackson. Not Lamar Jackson. Michael Vick. Not Michael Vick. I, I guess the problem is it has still has to be more passing yards. Yeah. That's the, that's it, the it's, issue. It's mostly here. passing yards, yeah. Drew, um, oh, Drew Brees. There's got to be. Yep, Drew yeah. Brees had the record uh, beforehand, 
and he did that in 2011. So that was he is now number two on this list. How many are we doing? Let's do. Actually, I like the guy that's in 11th. So let's do a top 11. You have two. Josh Allen. Not Josh Allen. Um, that's a little surprising. I know. Uh, Stafford. Josh Allen is did it. He had a lot last year, but not in there. Uh, Stafford also not in the top 11. Russell Wilson. Not Russell Wilson. Cam uh, Newton. Mm-mm. What? Peyton Manning. Uh, yes, Peyton right. Manning. Then I guess Brady, too. Did it in 2013. And I want to make sure Manning's not on here twice. Uh, yeah, Brady is also, Brady would be fourth. Okay. So you got Breeze Manning, Brady fourth. Brady is also seventh on this Aaron Rodgers. For 2011. Um, not Aaron Rodgers. That's weird. Brett Favre. Not Brett Favre. Phil Rivers. Not Phil Rivers. Huh. They're all very, very recent. I hear, uh, Derek Carr. Not Derek Carr. Kyler Murray. Not Kyler Murray. Th- we're struggling today, Glenn. <laughs> weird. Kirk Cousins. Not Kirk Cousins. And I guess I, and it is less players, so you need... Because Mahomes is on here twice. Uh, Roethlisberger. Brady is on there twice. Brady is on there twice as oh, that's well. That's a good guess. Roethlisberger. Uh, yes, Roethlisberger rounds out the top 11. That's who I wanted you to get. 2018. Okay, so that's it? No, you have uh, oh my one, God. two, three more players. Jesus Christ. All right, well, it's 12-27, so we're not going to do that. Oh, are you sure? Come yeah, on. so we got to go. 2020, Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then uh, Justin Herbert in 2021. All right. And then also Jameis Winston in 2019. <laughs> I never would have gotten that. Nah, no, at some point I would have said it, but yeah, yeah. It was a wild year where he put up a lot of numbers, but we still had no idea if he was any good at all. That was where we were. All right, very good. Tubular is brought to you today by the Tyus Bowser Show. We're back at it tomorrow night. Final Tyus Bowser Show of the year. Come join us. Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Tyus and a special guest to be determined. Uh, Normally find out sometime during the day, but by tomorrow morning, I'm sure we'll know. Um, We'll be out with us. It's all brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Grade 8s memorabilia. We'll see you tomorrow night. Guilford Hall Brewery for the Tyus Bowser Show. Uh, ESPN and all of their networks for alternate broadcast tonight of the national championship game, TCU in Georgia at 7.30. Coppin State's at home against North Carolina Central at 7.30. Morgan's at home against South Carolina State at 7.30. Pelicans Wizards at 7 on NBC Sports Washington. NBA TV Bulls Celtics at 7.30. NHL Network Predators Senators at 7.30. And the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Non-sports? Not during the national championship. Everything after 11. Mike Vrabel is going to be on Barmageddon tonight. What is the bar? Are they paying everybody? I guess. What is going on? He'll be on Barmageddon uh, at 11. I can't wait for three different people to email me tomorrow about whatever the punishment was on Barmageddon. Uh, Eli and Peyton. Peyton and Eli will be on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, Al Pacino will be on Fallon. Gwyneth Paltrow will be on James Corden. Because she was on Shark Tank, obviously. Still still trying to put that over. And then Allison Williams will be on Seth Meyers for Megan. Oh, is that Allison Williams? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, Allison Williams okay. was the, right. the lead in Megan. I didn't realize that. The doll is the lead in Megan. Well, my friend. I guess. Yes, yeah. like that's who the lead is in Megan. That's CG doll, yeah. Yes. All right, very good. Uh, I haven't watched the movie. I just, you know, I didn't notice it was, that. It was, yeah, it was funny, I guess. Okay. I'm not sure <laughs> that's what so they were going things. for. I'm not sure. That's I feel like case. it kind of was at times. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Again, sign up today if you have not yet for mobile sports betting. Thanks today to uh, Sal Palantonio. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. And thanks to Eric Zier. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Nothing tomorrow, I'm guessing. There we go. That's what we do around here. That's, that's how we roll. 
Patrick Stevens will join us. Maryland got a nice win yesterday over Ohio State. That's just, right. Just when we thought this season was kind of over, Maryland gets a nice win, and none of us have any idea what happened because we were all watching football. Well, Jameer Young, 30 points. I know that that occurred, but we didn't see it. That's I, I didn't know what to do because I didn't really care too much about the Ravens. Yeah, it's still. Kinda like still. Yeah, that's the reality. All right. Uh, thanks to Carson at Carson Ware on uh, socials. How you follow him? That's correct. With an I. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Um, go Morgan. Go Coppin. For my sake, please go go Georgia. Please win by. Please Jeremy be right about that and win by like eight touchdowns. John Proctor have to come in here and enjoy pork and beans popsicle. Uh, all right, uh, Duke sucks.